0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So good to have us here. So good to have us here, especially those of us who are here for the first time.
1: Welcome, welcome. So good
2: to have us here. Ah, for those of us who are here for the first time, for those of us who are here for the first time, this is our, what will I call it? I mean, I know a great deal of us were here during the meditation course. And um, we haven't necessarily been on any of the Friday night sessions before. And we reserve the Friday nights for, I'll say doctrinal teachings, where we really delve into the word and begin to establish a very sound doctrine for every one of us in the word of God, and I'm just here expectant, you know, for everything that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us tonight, and um, tonight we're going to be talking about karma, karma, as as was already stated on the, well, for those of us who've seen the flyers, today we're going to be talking about karma, karma, karma. And before
1: we just jump right into it, look <laughs> what confidence said. She said, and it shall come to pass that the table will, be, will break and the wig will be snatched <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> by the grace of God. So tonight we're going to be talking about karma. And. Um, <sighs> Let me start by asking us, first of all, how many of us have heard the word karma
2: before? Karma. Okay, just in the next two, three minutes, I want to hear from some of us. When we hear the word karma, what comes to our heart?
1: If you could raise your hand. Wura, go ahead. Go ahead, Wura.
3: Okay, I, I put my hand quickly down, but you
1: caught <laughs> I, I saw you. I yeah. <laughs> um,
3: Okay, <laughs> good evening, Ashaka. Good, good evening, everyone. Um, For me, karma is, um, you know, if you put out, you reap what you sow, basically.
1: Mm.
3: Reaping Mm. what you sow. I'll leave it as that, Mm. yeah.
1: Awesome, awesome. You reap what you sow. Awesome, awesome. Who else wants to give it a shot? Could you raise your hand? Who else wants to give it a shot? Victor, when you hear karma, what comes to heart?
4: um, That's getting back a recompense for what you did. Especially the bad ones. When, when you do something, people will tell me, oh, karma, karma would would would, would catch up with you. So they are they're actually telling you, oh, it waits for you for front.
1: <laughs> indeed. Indeed, indeed. Also, awesome. thank you for that, Victor. Thank you for that, Victor. Who else wants to give it a shot? One more. Who else wants to give it a shot? Karma
2: what do we understand by karma um,
0: okay mm.
5: okay just to add to what they have said that mm. is hell, um is yes. getting back the rewards for
6: our deeds in the negative that oh, is what i mean. the negative awesome 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 thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing that
1: Yes, every one of us, every one of us, have a general
2: idea of karma, and tonight we're going to be we're going to be digging a little bit more into the subject. I like some
1: responses I'm seeing on the chat here. One says the law of balance. I'm very sure that she took it from uh, that post that I put on karma, but no problem. Let me give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Ikhilaya says. What goes around comes around. Jefferson says the cyclical nature of life. Laifa says you get what you give. Confidence says balance brought down and balance brought forward. Awesome, awesome.
2: Very beautiful definitions, very beautiful definitions. Awesome, awesome.
1: Let me first, start of, let me first of all start by saying that um, it's going to be a very interesting lecture because. Um, I was just telling Esther about, um, I think two hours ago, you know, I was,
2: so I spent a bit of yesterday and today just writing a lot of things down, you know, putting some bullet points, getting a lot of scriptures together so that I can properly, you know, arrange everything and all of that, you know, and then around 5.30 this evening, I sat down in my study and I just, I, it just came upon me.
0: I just, I just prayed. I said, Holy Spirit of God, I surrender the
2: entirety of my intellect to you. I do not want to come in this place in this time to use intellect to teach your children. Father, lay your hands of wisdom upon me and say what you want to say. And I kid you not, as I prayed that prayer, I got up from my study, I began to walk to the living room, Wind just started to come to my head.
1: Everything started to change. As I looked at Esther, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here we go again. I said, Lord Jesus, here we go again. (laughs) <laughs> but we shall say, yes, Lord. <laughs> ah, so as I'm here like this, you know, this is one of those sessions where in my heart I'm saying, God, God, no shame or so. <laughs> <laughs> but in my experience, the Holy Spirit has never, ever, ever
2: disappointed. And I don't believe for a second that this moment will be any different. And I'm just ready to allow the Spirit of God just speak through every one of us this very evening. Ah, And I pray that deep insight and transformational clarity comes upon us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's just jump right into it, right? Karma, 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 karma. Ah, Let me first of all start by saying that the word karma is not an English word, even though it's a word that is commonly used in English. The word karma is actually a Sanskrit word. How many of us have heard the word Sanskrit before? The word karma is a Sanskrit word. The Sanskrit language is a very old language. Um, originating in the Far East, is as old as the old Chinese, is as old as old Hebrew, etc., etc. It's an old language. And the word karma is a Sanskrit word. And the reason why I use the word karma is because in English, there isn't really a word that fully encapsulates the idea of what karma is. Before I just go forward, let me see those of us who have been good students in the past. Who can remind me of what I've taught in the past about the difference between labels and realities that labels point to? Who remembers when I taught, taught about that? And who can remind us what I talked about, labels and reality? Who remembers when I taught in that? Who remembers? I know those that were there. So before I call anybody, uh-huh, Confidence,
1: I was going to call you. Go ahead, Confidence. Let's hear <laughs> you.
5: <laughs> um, I think the one that uh, readily comes to mind is how um, in, language is one of the very good examples. So in every tongue, something means something. For example, water. In Yoruba, mm. it's Omi. In Igbo, it's Miri. It, you know, it's water in English. However if you see water wherever you are, you know it has a meaning that the language itself probably would not be able to convey, but it is what it is, right? And um, so the label, whatever you choose to label it as does not matter. It is what it is that really conveys, you know, its, its meaning and its
2: true essence, so yeah. Yes, 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 indeed, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. The name is not as important As the reality that the name points to. And that's something that I want us to really, really, really understand. So that in case those of us who have, you know, just by religious upbringing, when we hear words that are not very familiar with, well, Christian theology, doctrine, and worldview, in this moment, we're using a word that points to a reality that is completely. Biblical, completely spiritual, and evidence in everything in life. And many, many years ago, a certain group of people in some part of the world observed a particular pattern in life. Just by observing nature,
0: looking around, they realized that there's something very interesting about nature. And that reality
2: that they discovered that they saw just by pure observation of life, they gave it a name and they called it karma. So I am not in this moment trying to elevate the word karma. I am here to elevate the reality of what the word karma points to. Do we understand that much? I'm not here to elevate the word karma. I'm here to elevate the reality that the word Karma points to. And when we understand the reality of what the word karma points to, we will very soon realize that from the beginning of the Bible to the very end, karma is very evident. So right now, we're here to talk about the reality of karma. The word karma, from the Sanskrit definition, literally means action literally the word karma means action it doesn't mean punishment it doesn't mean retribution it doesn't mean blessing it doesn't mean any of those things it simply means action and naturally if there is an action what is going to follow i'm asking if there is an action what will follow There's a question to the house now. If there is an action, what comes after an action? Indeed, a reaction. If there is an action, there will inadvertently be a reaction. If there is a cause, what follows? I'm asking. If there is a cause, what follows? An effect, indeed. And that in itself is the root of the reality of karma. For every action, there is a reaction. For every cause, there is an effect. There is no reaction that came into existence without an action. And there is no effect that came into existence without a cause. Everything we see in the world today, right now, is an effect of a a previous cause. And everything we see in the world today is going to be a cause of a future effect. This entire universe that we exist in came into, came into, into reality as a result of the law of karma. It is written that God said, cause, let there be light. And there was light, effect manifestation. And from the very beginning of the Bible, we see that there's an immutable law in activity, that for every cause, there is an effect. For every action, there is a reaction. And there is nothing that exists that has not come into existence without something causing it to be. And this fundamental truth has to be understood by every single one of us in profound humility. That every effect that is seen in the world today is a product of a previous cause. Karma is not about blessing people, neither is it about cursing people. It is simply the law of cause and effect. And if we move it further, we will say it is a law that controls, it is a law that controls the balance and the harmony of all existence. Because when we study nature, for example, we see that nature is governed by some kind of interesting accounting system. And let me give you guys an example of a simple accounting system of nature, a balanced system of nature,
0: right? The sun shines upon the ground. The heat of the sun
2: causes water to evaporate from the ground, it elevates to the sea and empties itself back on the sea as rain. The sun again shines on the sea, lifts up water into the clouds, moves to the land and causes it to fall again. The moment something is taken from the land, which is water, eventually it has to be replenished. The moment something is taken from the sea, eventually it has to be replenished. If the sun shines and takes water out from the ground and is pours upon the sea and the ground is not replenished, would there be water to pour into the sea later on a am Would there be water to pour into the
0: sea later on? I'm asking. Right? And if the sea as well also withholds
2: its water and doesn't pour on the ground, you see how everything is governed by some kind of balance. Right? You see an ox. An ox eats grass. And after he eats the grass, it has to defecate what it has eaten to replenish the soil again so that the soil can be fertile and feed it all over again. What happens if all animals that eat from the ground don't return something back to the ground? What happens? I'm asking. What happens? If everyone eats from the ground, they take the grass, they take this, and there is no replenishment whatsoever, what happens? The cycle is the ground. Is broken. Now, if the ground dies and the ground withers, what happens to us who have been feeding off the ground? Indeed, we die. To show you that there's a kind of dependency that exists in nature, where everything is in some way dependent on everything. And the moment something breaks the cycle, everyone is affected. And if something keeps the cycle, everyone is also affected. Now, this law that God created in nature is not about punishing people. As a matter of fact, it's about sustaining life in itself. The law of karma that God created in the world is for the sustaining of life, not the punishing of wrongdoing, but the sustaining of life. Because if the grass gives itself to the cow, the cow can bless the grass again with its feces, as
1: crazy as that sounds, right?
2: (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know? The grass can bless itself with the feces, and then the grass can also grow even more, isn't it? Right? For example, trees in the forest, right? If monkeys don't eat their fruits, swallow the seed and travel some distance and defecate that seed in another part of the forest, the tree can't grow, true or false? True or false? The very life of the tree is dependent on the things that will consume it. The only way the tree can reproduce itself is if it gives itself the moment it ceases to give itself, it will realize through the effect that will happen that withholding itself from everyone, is its own death. And in a very gentle summary, this is what the law of karma looks like. And it's not about some people up there dragging people to darkness or bringing people to light. It's simply a matter of the effects, the reactions of the very things that we do. And if we start from a very simple foundation, a very, very basic and foundational understanding or representation of karma in the Bible is the Garden of Eden. I'm sure, but as I mentioned the Garden of Eden, I'm sure all of us can already picture how the Garden of Eden talks about karma, right? We find two people put in a garden that God made And God told them to tend and keep the garden. And he told them that they can eat of all the fruits and trees in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil that is at the center of the garden. But the moment they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that moment, they shall die. Now, on one hand, it looks as though, it looks as though, God was the one that pursued them out of the Garden of Eden. It looks as though God punished them. It looks as though God was, "Ah, God, why don't you just leave it and leave them in the Garden of Eden? But on one hand, what it looks as though God punished them and pushed them out of the Garden of Eden. What can we also say happened there? I'm asking. What can we also say happened there? On one hand, God pushed them out of the Garden of Eden. On the other hand, what can we say about that moment? Karma, but I would like for us to define it. What would you you say about that moment? Indeed, Raphael said the effect of disobedience. Someone said they broke the cycle. Another said their actions had a reaction. Someone said they pushed themselves out with their disobedience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Their very action, the very thing they did, produced the reality that they experienced. The very thing they did produced the reality that they experienced. And I want us to just write this down. It's very simple. But by the time we begin to reflect deeply on it, it will cause us to really think about a lot of things that we do. It's very simple we've all heard it before, but I want us to write this down. There is no action that does not have a consequence. There is no action that does not have a consequence. When I clap my hand like this, that's karma. The cause is the clap, the reaction is the sound. And if we even go deeper, you realize that even my clapping that is a cause producing the effect of sound, that very clapping in itself is an effect of my desire to clap. True or false? (laughs) True or false, I'm asking. True or false? true. The very clap I'm clapping, which is a cause, is actually an effect of another cause, right? And who knows what was the cause of my my desire to clap. Maybe someone did something brilliant, right? So you do you see how the thing can really go, you know, from, from level to level. So let's say someone on the outside, something caused him to sing on that day. So the singing was his effect. As he began to sing something so beautiful, that singing caused an excitement within me. Now that excitement within me, that was an effect of someone singing began to cause a desire for me to clap. (laughs) Now that effect of clapping began to cause the effect of sound. Now that effect of sound began to cause a sense of happiness. And you know, like when you clap for someone, when they feel validated, do you see how (laughs) it's like a loop that goes on? Because when you reflect deeply, you see that karma exists in everything. There is nothing that exists that is not karma. Karma, life itself is karma. Every one of us that were born, that we are sitting down here physically, where the effect of the cause of our parents coming together, true or false? True or false, right? And by the time you, you dial back in it, you see they're coming together, had its own causes and so on. And you don't see how things just keep on going, 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 going to show you that. This cycle of cause and effect, this cycle of action and reaction is something that is always going, going, going. It's always something that is perpetually moving, moving, moving. And God did not create it to pull down life. God created it to lift up life. And this is where I want us to begin. The law of karma is not to tear down life. The law of
0: karma is to lift up life. I want to ask us a question.
2: What do you think would have happened if Adam carried out an action of disobedience that was going to lead him into corruption and there wasn't any form of painful consequence of his action, what do you think would have happened? I'm asking. If Adam did something that brought corruption inside of him, but he was still giving eternal life, what do you think
0: would have happened? I'm asking. What do you think would have happened? Who wants to give it a shot?
2: Indeed, life and he will just become like like Satan. Jefferson, according to Jefferson, corruption will be eternally prevalent. Confidence, you want to give it a shot? Yeah, when you want
5: reminds to give me it a of shot? when you say things like there are degrees and degrees to you know mm-hmm. things, and even though there's a physical corruption that happens, there is a spiritual corruption, there is and so you you want to save someone as early as possible so it does not degenerate to the point where they are beyond
0: salvation.
2: Indeed, 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 indeed,
0: indeed. That very negative effect that Adam experienced
2: from his negative cause was not a curse to him, but actually the greatest blessing. And this is where there has to be an unlearning of this law of karma and even the way God operates. Adam being cast out of the garden at that time wasn't the biggest curse. It was actually the biggest blessing because now for the first time, Adam had an opportunity to understand the error of his ways. As a matter of fact, Adam had a greater opportunity to understand and better have value for the will of God. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? How many of us have been given instructions by God that we took for granted, only for us to go the other way? And when we saw the
1: fire that was there, God, in fact... <laughs> Initially, God's instruction looked like the worst thing that could happen. But when we really saw the worst thing that could happen, all of a sudden, that way of God started to look so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jonah. God told him, My friend, you go to this place now. Jonah said, Ah, ah I cannot go to these people. By the time we'll solo that chairman. God, I beg.
0: God, I beg.
1: <laughs> that reaction of disobedience. Someone said it's not funny. It's not funny, actually. (laughs) It's not funny, you know. (laughs) That reaction that came as a result of disobedience helped him to see,
2: my goodness, God was right all along. And if God did not instill this law of cause and effect, action and reaction, If a person goes astray, there will no longer be any opportunity for that person to realign themselves back to what is right. Now from this, we can start to see how this law is not for our destruction, but actually for our sustenance. The law of karma exists in our physical body, right? As we have this physical body here, this physical body is governed by laws, right? There are some things your body cannot ingest. There are some things that you can't put inside of your body. You can't eat sand. Well, most people can't eat grass because I've seen some crazy, you know, things in Guinness Book of Records. Some people eat grass, some people eat blade and all that stuff and all that stuff. But in general, the body is not able to process and assimilate things like metal, like grass, because it doesn't need it, right? And the moment it enters into your body, you start to feel great discomfort, you start to feel great pain, and then your stomach starts to you know, pulse inside, maybe to puke it out or something, letting you know that this thing cannot help you to survive. This thing cannot help you to live. So long as you take this thing, life is going to leave you. So that very pain, that very negative consequence, we feel as a result of eating the wrong thing or stepping on the nail, is not a curse, but actually a blessing. Because truth be told, if the body didn't have the capacity to feel pain, if the body didn't have the capacity to, to feel pain, most of us will cut this place. We will, you know, those of us that like to, you know, put our kind of design and everything, we'll cut our eyeball, we'll cut the ear, we'll cut the finger. You know, we think that it's because of intelligence that we have not completely maimed our body. It's not intelligence, it's actually pain. True or false people, if you reflect on it, true or false? True of us, if we didn't feel pain from cutting our body and doing all this stuff, some of us in the name of fashion will put, we'll put like three lines in the eyeball to say, my goodness, do you see count one, two, three? There's a mystery there. Can you read? You put it in the eyeball I will not put go on, on Instagram.
1: Say, look at <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? We'll, we'll cut our finger into four portions. We we'll say this is the new fashion and everything, you know. <laughs>
2: That very pain that God instilled in our body is actually what has kept a lot of us in check and help us to know that this is not the way to go. I mean, for example, for those of us who are women here, for those of us who are women here, how many of us know that the pains a woman feels in labor is the best thing that can happen to her in that labor? How many of us know that? How How many of us know that? the pains that a woman feels in labor is the best thing that can happen to her. True or false? For those of us who are women and those of us who have had children. Because in that moment, right, it is time for the baby to come out. In that moment, it is time for the baby to come out. If the baby doesn't come out when it is time to come out, Either you will die, the baby will die, or both of you will die. And because of the difficulty by which the baby comes out, most people naturally will just leave that baby there. True or <laughs> You know, if it's just left to us, based on the pain that comes from, you know, giving birth, we will just leave that baby there say, ah, I can't do it. But God made sure that, that
1: pain that you feel in your stomach—I'm
2: <laughs> <laughs> not trying to trivialize the things, but like I'm just—I'm just using as many pictures to paint a picture, right? That pain you feel in labor lets you know that you, this thing cannot stay and it has to come out now. And then the whole body is starting to contract because this thing has to leave; it has to come out now. You know, once upon a time I. I once saw an experience of a woman who had a miscarriage. I once saw a woman who had a miscarriage and um, it, was, it was nothing to, I can't explain that, that moment in time. I can't explain that moment in time. I can't explain that moment in time. From nowhere around 2 a.m. You know, around 2 a.m., she was going through so much pain, so much, so much, so much. We had to rush her to the hospital in the middle of the night. We got her to the hospital. They took her into a particular ward. And the doctor did some checks and everything, and he confirmed that she was indeed having a miscarriage. And he left the room because, incidentally, I think he was the only doctor on seats that night. And there was another woman who was actually giving birth. So he actually, had to, go, he actually he had to go to attend to the woman who was giving birth. And our friend who was having the miscarriage was screaming. She was screaming in so much pain. It was, it was, it was, I
1: sat down in the reception like this. I said, God.
2: Now we got very upset, very outraged. How can you leave her there? Can't you see she's screaming? Can't you give us something, you know?
1: And trust my sister, you know, she, she gave it to them hot <laughs> <laughs> You know, I told my other friends, I went, mean, they're like, ah, what kind of, you know? <laughs> you know? So, of course, being the only man there, they have to say, oh, yeah, please, you go and talk to him, you know? <laughs> so I just went to him. And, I, you know, you know, how it is when, you know, people, who, like, they tell you, please, you have to show them that you're upset for us. So me and I went and said, excuse me, what do you,
2: <laughs> you know? How can anybody, you, you know, I to you know? And then he now called me and I explained to me, he said, let me talk to you and I'm hoping that from what I explained, you can also talk to the other women that are there so they can understand what's going on. A baby has died in this woman's womb. Now that dead baby in her womb is actually a corruption within her body. If it stays there, it will cause a greater infection that will eventually kill the woman as well. Now the body has a natural defense mechanism for things like this, and that is to eject it. The pain she's feeling now is her body trying to eject something to save her life, not take it. In that moment, it looks as though this thing is trying to take, you should have seen the screams. It looked as though that thing was there to take her life. But actually, that thing was there to save her life. And the moment he said that, I mean, I couldn't argue, you know. I couldn't argue. I mean, I couldn't argue. Because if he gave her painkillers, she's in trouble. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? If he gave her painkillers, she's in trouble because what she was experiencing at that moment was absolutely necessary for her survival. If that didn't happen, something worse would have happened. Exactly, Helen, it was a necessary pain.
0: It was absolutely necessary. Without that, the worst will have happened.
2: In a moment, I just need to go and talk to them. I said, listen, you know, this is the reality of things. The only thing we can do is just be there for her and give her emotional support and encouragement in what she's going through. But you see what she's going through? She has to go through it for her life to be saved. How many of us have had food poisoning before? How many of us have had food poisoning, like real food poisoning. How many of us have had it before? Do you know the same muscles that contract in the abdomen when you have food poisoning is the same muscles that contract to bring a child out? Did you know that? Who is a doctor here who can confirm what I just said? Who who is a doctor here who can confirm what I just said? For the doctors in the house. The same muscles in the abdomen that contract when you have eaten poison, right? Trying to force it out in a however way or form are the very same muscles that push a child out when it's time for the child to be born. Because if that child stays in that place longer than it's supposed to, that child becomes like a poison in the body. And that's why the body now push it out. Because this thing that has the potential to be very good also has the potential to cause a great calamity. And this is karma. This is karma, in a sense. The same laws of The same laws of action. Who is that your microphone? The same laws of action and reaction. the same laws of balance and sustainability are the same things that are at play in that moment. When you step on a nail, you say, oh my God, why should I not? Oh God, why don't you remove pain from the world? Why must I feel pain when I step on a nail? If you didn't feel pain when you step on a nail, by now, most of us would have completely destroyed our physical bodies. There's this general assumption that people have that just because I don't understand the role and function of this part of the body, then I don't really need it. And that's why you have a lot of people in the name of, I remember Janet Jackson going up ahead that she took out some of her ribs so she can have an hourglass figure and so on and so on. That just shows you humanity in the name of vanity aesthetics and all these things. We're re- we ready to spoil anything. If we're not, if, if we didn't die, if our brain comes out, some of us will make fashion of opening the brain like this and let it hang out. I'm telling you the truth. It sounds silly, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth. This is the reality. People are ready to remove anything in their body. They don't, they are ready to remove anything. Do you understand? I had some people sell their kidneys to buy iPhone in China. These are facts. I'm not lying. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We, <laughs> if there were not certain consequences for wrong actions, many of us would have completely terminated our lives. If wrong action didn't lead to a painful consequence, many of us would have done the worst. Many of us would have done the worst. Right now, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit of the time when Adolf Hitler came into power and he began to promote that Nazi movement that he wanted to create a pure Aryan race And the way they are supposed to do it is by completely eradicating the Jewish race in Germany. And lo and behold, they proceeded to begin to eradicate the Jewish race. And in order to have a very powerful army, they started to conscript civilians into the army to increase their numbers. And you had people who were nursery school teachers, farmers and all these things who began to work in those concentration camps. How many of us heard about the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. How many of us heard about those camps? How many of us have heard about them? How many of us have have, have seen any movie or heard about the kind of evil that went on there? It was nothing to write home about. Animals had better treatment than the Jews in the Nazi concentration camps. They performed evil upon them. They turn them into guinea pigs, use them for experiments, without even giving them any anesthetic. They'll be fully alive, they'll cut their body, test them and everything, send them back. The next day they'll bring them, trying all kinds of experiments on these people, like as if they are hamsters and lab rats. They did evil. The soldiers that were in charge of keeping them in, in the prison, they will rape them, they'll pee on them, they'll pull on them, they'll beat them for sports, they'll make them beat each other for sports, they'll bathe them with acid. They did all kinds of evil. And guess what? Most of the people who performed that kind of evil in that camp were people who just three months ago were just school teachers. There were people who three months ago were farmers. Three months ago were probably doctors. And it was a thing of great research for people to see the amount of wickedness that is latent inside of people. And it lets one to see That whatever goodness it is that they manifested when they were teachers, farmers, and all these things was not because they were good, was because they were afraid of the consequences of wrong action. The moment they were guaranteed by the government that there will no longer be bad consequences for bad actions, the real wickedness in themselves came out. I'm even right now reminded of another social experiment that took place in, I think the 1970s or 1980s. Maybe someone here will know, know the name of it when I start to narrate it. It was a social experiment where some scientists, they created a scenario of some people in prison and some people who are the prison guards. And they went, to, they went to colleges and they started to ask people if they want to be part of this social experiment. And for you to sign the contract, you must be willing to stay locked up in their, in their, their laboratory or yeah, their laboratory for about two weeks. And anything that happens to you there, you can't, you know exactly, Stanford Prison Experiment. Anything that happens to you in that, that simulated prison that they make, you cannot hold them accountable for it. And at the end of the day, I think they gave them $5,000 or $10,000, something like that. Should they use money as an incentive. So, of course, young college students, 19, 20, $5,000, $10,000, my God, they would jump at it very quickly. And they didn't know that they signed themselves into great evil. So, on a, on, on a day that they didn't expect, they were kidnapped and taken to that prison camp. And those who opted to be prisoners, because they gave them a choice to choose whether they want to be prisoners or whether they want to be the wardens of the prisoners. So the ones who chose to be prisoners were kidnapped and taken to that place. And the one who chose to be wardens were put in that place and they left them there for like two weeks to see what would happen. Goodness gracious, the kind of evil that manifested in that place was unprecedented and they for a the fact that human beings are inherently evil. If there are no obvious negative consequences, painful consequences for wrong action, no one will do the right thing. Just because of the fallen state of man, if there were no negative consequences for wrong actions,
0: no one will do the right thing. And from experiments like that,
2: one can see very clearly that pain and sorrow that comes as a result of wrong action is the
0: best thing that can happen to you. The best thing,
2: the best thing. That's why most of these celebrities Especially those musicians that get very famous at 16, we need to intercede for them. I know some, I know, how many of us at some point in our lives have felt in nudging by the Holy Spirit to intercede for this or that celebrity or this or that musician? How many of us have had that before? That you just felt God impressing it upon you to intercede for this musician or, or actor or whatever. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Those people need a lot of intercession because they are in trouble. They are in trouble because everywhere they go, everyone is screaming, I love you, I love you. Yay, yay, yay. Good job, good job, good job. No matter what they do. And they have no sense of moral compass whatsoever. And they go on in life never really experiencing the pain that you must feel when you do the wrong thing. And you'll find them at 30 years old, but they have a psychology that has not developed beyond eight years of age. That's what happened to Justin Bieber. How many of us saw Justin Bieber? Very beautiful boy at 14, 15. His songs were so sweet, so loving, so this, he was so pure. Until too much love came upon him. No matter what he did, love, everyone I love you, they'll scream. Everybody love, 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 love. Before you know it, he turned into something else. Punching people in public, pissing in in, in the street, trying to fight, cursing people out, doing all kinds of things. And no one taught him. Exactly, Miley Cyrus, Lindsay exactly. You can can see all of them. Then The public did not reflect the truth to them that this is unacceptable. And they thought, oh, I'm in La, La Land, if I don't get negative repercussions for my actions. But look at Lindsay Lohan today. I, know, I knew Lindsay Lohan in Dubai. We used to party together, I'm telling you a fact. She was a waste, I'm telling you. Many times, she, I, I, was, I couldn't believe it. I said, is this Lindsay Lohan? You see her wasted. I was, in fact, in, 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 you know, when you see someone, you should be starstruck. Nothing like that. She was like a, 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 a waste girl. I'm telling you from my own perspective, this is what I've seen with my eyes wasted.
0: You see, ha ah, 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 that's the waste. She was wasted. This just three, four years ago. That is a product of someone who goes through life doing all kinds
2: of wrong things without receiving a negative repercussion. Actually, she received it (laughs) because where she is, is a product of her actions in the past. True or false, right? But it would have been a greater blessing to her if the people around her, by their rejection of her acts, it would have been better for her if by their rejection of her acts made her feel pain for the things that she was doing in order to save her life. Um, Are are, are we we understanding this picture I'm painting about how this saves life? Understand right now, I'm just talking about negative repercussions. There's still the positive, but are, are we understanding what I'm saying? Are we understanding how it saves the life of the person? Justin Bieber will have been finished. And as a matter of fact, he was finished until God intervened in some way. Now, he might not be as holy and, you know, super, super spiritual as one would, one would like. But he's far, far away from that trajectory he was heading to. God saved that young man. God saved him. He might look like he has less boss. Good because that buzz he had was really too much, is good so that his life can be saved because he was going in the wrong way. And that hatred that the world started to have towards him, that decided to cancel him because of the wrong things that he was doing, was the blessing of the Most High God to save that man's life. Because if that didn't happen, he will think that he can keep going this way and be fine. It's a lie. It's a lie. You know, people say that if Adam didn't fall into the world and he ate from the tree of life, he would have lived in sin forever. But if you reflect deeply on that, you will discover that it is not impossible. It's not, it's not possible. There is nothing like eternal sin because sin itself cuts Life
0: short. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Sin itself cuts life short.
2: Eternal life is not an indefinite period of time, eternal life is a definite quality of being. Eternal life is about righteousness. It is the righteousness that leads to the indefinite life. Do you guys understand that?
0: The indefinite life is an effect of righteousness. Do you guys understand that? Do you understand that? Is that clear to everyone? Is it easy is it, is it to understand?
7: It's going come again, Rabbi L.
2: The indefinite life, that is a life that doesn't end. A life that perpetually continues is an effect of righteousness, is an effect of purity, is an effect of right standing with God. Long life is an effect, it's not a cause. Does that make sense? So it is not possible to have everlasting life without having everlasting righteousness because it's everlasting righteousness that produces everlasting life. The moment sin comes into play, life is guaranteed to be cut short. So, what Adam did guaranteed the short the shortage of his life, period. His action itself is what guaranteed the shortage of his life. So it's not even possible for him to have eaten from the tree of life. And that's the kind of picture that story was painting. So it's not as if God just took it from him. It was not even possible for him to eat of that fruit. Because that fruit itself is righteousness. It's not about someone putting fruit to your mouth. I hope you understand this. All those stories are analogical in nature. They are spiritual metaphors, symbols that point to realities on the inside of us. It's not about eating up, It's not about God keeping him from, from doing anything. His very action, the very action that they carried out in that garden was what caught that life from them. Do you understand? Let me give an example. Let me give an example. Imagine I have a family, right? A family of five. Mm -hmm. And let's define eternal life as that family of five, staying together, not just physically, but also at heart, a real unity for 50 years. Let's define eternal life as a family staying together for 50 years. If there's unforgiveness, Malice, bitterness, strife, jealousy in that family, can they stay together for 50 years? I'm asking. Can they stay together for 50 years? No. No. Because those very things in themselves cut life short. Those very things in themselves truncate life. The moment they are present, life is going to be truncated. But if there is love, there is empathy, There is discipline, there is justice, there is forgiveness. All these causes are what produce that effect of long lasting.
1: Oh, is that right, Grammar? You see, I was going to say long lastingness. Well, yeah, you can say that in in a manner of speaking, right? It produces the effect of long lastingness. But you guys get my point, right? (laughs) You know? Mama Helen, you get my point, have you? (laughs) 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 Come come on. (laughs) The eternal life
2: that Christ brings is, first of all, a quality of life before it is a quantity of life. Maybe we can make that into a quote, right? The eternal life that Christ came to bring is, first of all, a quality of life before it is a quantity of life. It is the quality that produces the quantity. And that applies for a life of righteousness
0: and a life of sin. Do you guys hear me? Does that make sense? Is that clear? Are we all following? Do you all hear? Hmm? Indeed. Indeed. Eternal life
2: is first of all a quality of life before it is a quantity of life. If the quality is depreciated, surely the quantity will also be depreciated. If the quality appreciates, the quantity will also be appreciate because they are related to one and other this is karma this is cause and effect and it's just a foundation because there's, there's there's a whole world of things and I want to
1: just start like this and we we'll see how everything comes out because I'm just like okay Jesus let's go how <laughs> but so far so, God, God us, <laughs> so far so good God isn't shaming us so far so good God isn't shaming us abi <laughs>
0: hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> you know, the negative effects are a blessing because
2: it shows you the very things that cut your life short so that you can make an amendment. Now, I want to talk about the positive effects because remember the law of karma fundamentally exists to preserve life to sustain life to continue life now let me ask you a question imagine if how many of us had that experience in school when we were given a math question and we solved it with our creativity we probably made our own formula and they flogged us Because we didn't use the formula that they gave to us. How many of us had that experience? That maybe in solving maths, we just found some rule to create an answer, find our own formula and everything, and they flogged us or punished us or something. Because how did you feel about that? That in some way or form, you did the right thing. But after doing the right thing, you are given a negative consequence for it. Does it encourage you to continue doing it? Does it encourage, it it will make you so upset it's quite annoying it's quite discouraging you know it's quite discouraging it's quite discouraging because in the same way that negative effects causes us to change our negative actions is the same way that positive effects cause us to continue our positive actions. How many of us have been to the gym before? And we suffered, suffer for the first two, three weeks, but all of a sudden,
1: we just went out one day and they said, hey, have you been working out? How many of us know what I'm talking about? <laughs> How many of us know what I'm talking about? You know, When you're eating the fruit of your labor and they say, oh, <laughs> <As in> fat. <laughs> as you're give as giving that compliment, your mind you say, ah, the gym, go here around tomorrow. I'll go deal with gym tomorrow. Say ah they go (laughs) here and as you go to that gym the next day you will show them that you were made for this. (laughs) You know
2: (laughs) because nothing encourages one more to go in the right direction than positive results, positive, positive reactions, you see? Like children, for example, something we might learn, a child that is five years old, four years old, I want us to understand, for those of us who have children, right? I, I don't have a child yet, too, so I'm not talking like I'm on authority, right? So, But I'm just talking from what I've learned in my observation, and
1: am I permitted to go ahead? Am I permitted to go ahead, people? No should beat me, please, <laughs> I'm not criticizing anybody, <laughs> But I'll just share regardless. Hmm?
2: A two-year-old child, three-year-old child, four-year-old child, five-year-old child, let me tell you the truth, they don't care about school because at that age, it doesn't mean anything to them. You who have lived 30, 40 years, and understand the value and purpose of school, you understand that value because you've lived 30, 40 years. They at five, at four, cannot understand it. So a four year old child telling them, you're not gonna have money when you, it doesn't, they they, they have no concept of money. Do you understand what I'm saying? They have no concept of that. So they're not going to school because they want to be poor tomorrow. It, it, It doesn't, at that age, it doesn't mean anything to them. Maybe if you put the words in their head, maybe later on they'll remember what you said. But at that point, it can't mean anything to them. You know what means something to them? Wow, so good. Oh, so proud of you. Wow. Now that is something they understand. Now that is something they appreciate and that is something they value. Because at that age, you are like everything to them. And your joy... Is something that makes them happy. And your sorrow is something that makes them unhappy. And you want a child to continue doing something, praise them. Praise them when they do it. Sometimes a child can come and show you, you know, a drawing, a sketch that they just done. And as they show you what they've drawn, I mean, from your point of view, that sketch that they've made is not so there's nothing so fantastic about it from your point of view but at that age it is so exciting to them now when they bring it to you they are hoping that the excitement they feel for what they believe is right will, will be reflected on your face now when they bring it to you and you don't reflect that excitement that pleasure back to them you just want well, that child will lose zeal for it and that's how I'm sure a lot of us here, we have an idea of this. You know, there's some hobbies we had growing up. There were some things we loved to do. But because no one ever cheered us on, supported us, encouraged us, we just lost the flame for it. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because nothing encourages a person to do more of good things than good reactions
0: good reactions. And it's something to understand. And you see how this
2: law is not in any way biased. It's not in any way sentimental. It's not about punishing, it's not about blessing. It's just about life being sustained. And that's why, for example, as crazy as it sounds, right? When you go to the bathroom, isn't there pleasure in it, true or false? let's just make it a biological class when you go to the bathroom for number one or number two isn't it a pleasurable experience i'm asking isn't it pleasurable i'm asking you know (laughs) indeed right and god put that there so that we do that because if we keep those things in our body it becomes a poison to us true or false right so god put pleasure there in order to encourage us to continue doing this thing that's karma Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? That's karma, right? God also wants humanity to continue to procreate and continue its existence. That is why sex is also pleasurable, too. Because if sex wasn't pleasurable, if sex was just a matter of duty, humanity would have died a long time ago. True or false. True or false. If sex was just purely a duty and there was no incentive whatsoever, lie, lie, we will not do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We won't do it. Because nothing encourages us to continue doing the right thing like some positive reaction, some positive reward. And God has established the world in such a way Because he wants us to keep on going from glory to glory, from height to height, from light to light. He made sure that for every positive action, there is a positive and enjoyable reaction so that you can keep going to that place, right? And for every negative action, there is a very painful reaction so that you can stop going to that place. Now, God is not the one that will send this to come and happen to you. It's not as if God sends it, even though the Bible says it. Yeah, that's it on one hand, right? But on another hand, if you sit here and someone is in front of you and then you do a wrong thing by slapping them, if they slap you back, would you say that God is the one that slapped you? I'm asking. Hello? Do you you understand what I'm saying? If you slap somebody, and they slap you back. Will you say that God is the one that slaps you, right? But in the Bible, that's the way they write it because them slapping you is a manifestation of a law that
0: God has put in place. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Them
2: slapping you is as a result of the law that God put in place. God put the law of gravity in place. Right?
1: So if you jump out of your window and you fell down, <laughs> she, we, we said that it's God that killed you. <laughs> Do you understand? We say that it's God that because God made gravity. And in a sense, it's true, you know, because
2: God created the law of gravity, not for your destruction, but for your benefit. But in going against it, you suffer the consequences of doing something wrong, which is meant to correct you, right? Because how many of us know that one of the reasons why we have very strong and firm bones is because of the law of gravity? How many of us know that? How many of us know that? The rigidity of our physical bodies, the strength of our bones, is actually a product of the constant pressure of gravity upon us. God is, can we, can we all just, just? omit your mics and let's say God is good. How many just say that God is good? God
0: is good. God is good. God is good.
2: God is good. You know, God is good. God is good. God is God is brilliant. God is intelligent. You know, this is what you call universal policies. This is what we should pray for in Nigeria: that policies are set in place that even if Rubbish happens just because that policy is able to adjust things. That's to tell you the, 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 the depth of God's wisdom in creating this whole world. The policies he put in place have a way of arranging things by themselves. That's how God did it.
0: The policies that he put in a physical body is able to adjust, to adjust itself. How many of us have had
2: Like a mosquito bite or an injury that will not have some kind of inflammation on our skin. Maybe you have a cut here and then it swells up. How many of us have experienced that before? Now, maybe you have a cut or mosquito bite or an insect bite and that place swells up. Do you know why that place swells up? If I tell you, I'm sure some of us know, but if I tell you, for those of us who who don't know, you'll be amazed. And every time you have an inflammation, you'll be thanking God. Do you know what? do Do you know why that happens? The moment your skin, is cut open, right? Whether by blade or whether by a mosquito or an insect, the moment that place is open, your insides become exposed to external bacteria, which are a great risk to the body. Now, the moment that happens, once some bacteria start to enter inside, there are some cells that are there at the foundation of that injury, that just take note of that bacteria that's entered and they start to alert others, alert others, alert others. Then they now come and they create a kind of barricade around that injury to isolate the bacteria so that they can kill every single one of them. Now, that's why the place swells up because the body has isolated that place so that every bacteria in that place can die. Are you understanding it? So you say, oh my God, it's painful. It's painful, but that pain you're feeling is actually that your body is quarantining armobiles <laughs> that have entered into you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing, people? Like your whole body has a whole military system. In case you don't know, that's the, the immune system is actually a military organization in the body that lives and functions by the policies of God. It functions by the law of karma. Because your skin cutting was a cause that triggered the effect of all those cells blowing alarms all over your body that ah, there's a problem. This world, the world A5 has been breached. Everyone gather together and they gather all themselves and they quickly barricade that place and isolate that place so that they can now throw all their bulbs. Right? Even when you bleed, the reason why your blood flows out is to seal the place that has been that has been opened. Do you know that? When you bleed, you're bleeding. You're, you're not, you're, blood comes out to save your life, not to take your life. <laughs> you bleed because the blood wants to come out. And because when oxygen comes upon blood, it dries. That's why you bleed, right? Now, when someone has a very deep wound, what they do, they help the blood do the work only the blood can do. That's why when you have a big injury, either they stitch you, Or they burn you. Burning, they call it to cauterize the wound. Because only the blood can heal an injury. Are you seeing the wisdom of God? Only the blood inside of you can heal an injury on the outside. So all they do is just help the blood do what only it can do. So either they stitch you or they burn that place so that the blood can clot. Do you guys understand? There's a mystery of God. It's evident in all things and it's for our sustenance it's for our 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 survival it's for our glory god is intelligent and he has put laws in place not to destroy us but to actually give us life and life abundantly that is why the law of karma is in existence the law of cause and effect, the law of action and reaction that ensures that there is balance and stability in all creation. Are you guys guys learning something new today? Are you guys seeing a deeper and more profound picture of this subject of
0: karma? Are we learning this evening? You see, there is nothing about God
2: that is for wickedness, and evil, and destruction. God is never about that, never. When you go to the surgery table, and the surgeon takes his scalpel, and cuts your stomach open, will you say that he's doing something evil? No. His intention is always to save, always to protect, and always to uplift. Even if one is not yet able to understand it, God is still good. And all of creation evidences this continuously that God is still good. There is no law that He has placed into existence that is not for our benefit and upliftment. God is still
0: good. And we experience negative effects to sustain our life,
2: and we experience Positive effects to sustain our lives. God is always about preservation and continuity. God is good. So even when Adam and Eve were being kicked out of the garden, which is a mystery, and if, if we really unpack it, you see how deep that moment is, you know, because it says that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And the garden was barricaded by cherubim who had flaming swords blocking the way into the entrance of that life. And you see the same cherubim that were blocking the entrance to the garden of Eden were the same cherubim that were drawn upon the veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. On one hand, it might look as though Those things are there to keep man from eternal life. But if we see it, they're actually there to make sure that he enters into eternal life. Because what's the purpose of that sword? That sword is the very word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that is able to divide asunder, bone from marrow, soul from spirit, ready to kill and terminate the very things in us That keep us away from the eternal life. So those cherubim were not there to keep Adam out; they were actually there to bring him in, bring him in the right way. Do you guys understand? Do you understand? Because if he enters there with corruption, it's only a matter of time before he falls back down. God does not keep anyone out of heaven. As we're here now, if they put you into the dimensions of heaven, your very character and state of being will draw you back down eventually. Because you can't survive there. You can't survive there. Jesus Christ was from there. And that was a man, after doing so much good for many people, given the entirety of his life, they carried stones and bashed his head and he could still love them. Do you understand what it is? to have a heavenly mindset is different, is different. He ate every day with a person that was going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. What? What? I want
1: us to reflect on this. Life, I put $15. I want us to
0: reflect on this. I I want us to reflect on this. I want to reflect on this.
2: Even I, as miserable as I am, I will be insulted if someone sells me for 30 pieces of silver. How much more the son of God, the lamb that had come to take away the sins of the world, the most expensive man in all of existence, he sold him
1: for 30 pieces of silver. Look, Listen. Sometimes you say, forget about the betrayal. If he had pride, if I that's what if I that, that is what he will. It will just make him lose himself. What me thirty pieces? You should never sell me. At least you can buy a house for your family. That thirty pieces I will finish next week. Uber money is what you sold you for. Ah, yeah. I hear me, baby. I didn't say that to you, baby. Who can say it for me? <laughs> I hear me, baby.
7: <laughs> Rabbi, I don't bother this language for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he would do it and say, Ah, Jesus. Even Jesus would just can't say,
0: Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> he
1: won't believe what his eyes are seeing. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what I'm saying. <laughs>
2: He had to have a different kind of mindset to go through that and still maintain his purity. He had to have been of a different kind of life. Some of us, even a quarter of that, in fact, a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of that, and we would have lost ourselves. We think already for heaven, we have no idea what it costs to live perpetually in that dimension. We have not the slightest idea, not the slightest. And that's why the Caribbean is there to kill the things in us that will not allow us to function in that life. So when you really reflect, the Caribbean wasn't meant to keep Adam out. What was keeping Adam out was Adam. And the Caribbean was placed there to bring Adam in. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Are you, getting, are you guys getting what I'm saying? Jesus Christ said, anyone who is to come after me must pick up their
0: cross daily. That's the Caribbean. That's the Caribbean. That's the death that is a gateway into life. That is a death. But if you reflect
2: on it, it's not really a death. Because we well, Death has already happened. As a result of the fall, death has already entered into the world. So we're not really dying. We're actually living for the first time. But because our understanding is confused, we look as, as, as death as life and life as death. So the cross is actually not the
0: death, but the birth of man, if you can see it. You see. And it's that same law
2: that God created that has caused this possibility to be
0: the law of karma. The law of karma. For my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace
2: and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. To give you a hope and a future. God's thoughts are to give us a hope and a future, not to take our hope away and not to cut our future short, but to give us a hope and a future. And that is why he put this law in place. So before I go forward, and I'll try not to say too much tonight so that we can really ruminate on what has been said, and we'll continue in the next um, installment of this series. But before I go forward, I'd like to hear our thoughts, comments, or questions on all that has been said thus far. If you can raise your hands, I'd like to hear our thoughts, comments, or questions based
0: on all that has been said thus far. Bukumi shoot. All right. Good evening, everyone.
7: Um, Thank you so much, Rabbi El, for this. I feel like <laughs> this session was really needed because I remember having someone come over to my house this um this week. And, you know, she was just talking about a lot of things or how she felt like because of her, you know, bad things happen to people. You know, she was feeling like um, how that someone does something to her. And it's not as if she wants something bad to happen to the person, but she's hearing that something bad happens to the person. So she was feeling like she's a bad luck. And you know, I just had to encourage her. But this this um this session just really made me to understand quite a number of things concerning balance, like the law of karma. It's not as if God is using it to punish us. But I want to ask a question that just came to mind as we we're discussing it. So, where does the place of mercy come in? Because the way people talk about mercy is more or less like mercy just eliminates the consequences. So how do we, how do we um how do we differentiate? Like how do we put everything together, the law of karma and mercy? What's the function of mercy?
2: Thank you. Very, very beautiful question. And as a matter of fact, that is that is the next segment that we'll go into. I'm not sure if we'll go that go into that today, but let's see. I want us to finish by like 1030 so that when we finish, everyone still feels very fresh, right? I don't want us to spend too long so that we're not overloaded with too much. But let me ask a question. I'll mute your microphone. Bokome, I'll mute your microphone. Okay. Who is the one that is in need of mercy? Is it the innocent or the guilty?
7: The guilty.
2: Indeed. Because an innocent person, a righteous person, doesn't need mercy, right? Because the whole mm-hmm. concept of mercy is removing or saving someone from the consequences of their negative actions, isn't it? Yeah. Because for me to have mercy on you, you must have done something bad and you must deserve whatever consequence you're going to get, isn't it, right? Right true so the mercy of god again the next segment really go into this a lot but i'll just say this rephrase the question again so i can make sure that i am i am i'm still in line with with your question
7: but the function of i was asking for the function of mercy like since law of karma is more or less like there's the cause and effect so what's now the function of mercy is it just to indeed. eliminate the consequences?
2: Or? Indeed, indeed. So it's not just to eliminate the consequences because sometimes if someone does something bad, right? Let me give an example. There's two of us here, right? As we're talking, karma is already happening. You say something, it causes an effect inside of me
0: mm-hmm.
2: that makes me say something that causes an effect inside of you and so on and so forth, Right? Now, when I've done so much negative action, right? Because remember, negative consequence is supposed to inspire us to do right action, isn't it? Yeah. Now, there are some people who have done so much negative action and have produced so much negative consequences that those negative consequences are actually what motivate them to continue doing negative things that will further produce negative consequences. You get my point?
7: Mm. Yeah. So
2: you insult me, negative, I insult you back. That's a negative consequence you experience. Now, instead of you to learn from that, let's say I just called you idiot. Instead of you to learn from that and then change and say, oh, sorry, oh, God bless you. Instead of you to <laughs> learn from that, what do you do? You now begin another negative cycle again. You now say, God will punish you. Ah! I said that to me, I said, God will punish your mother. <laughs> Do you understand? Now, by the time the negativity keeps increasing, it becomes increasingly hard for you to repent.
7: Mm.
2: So mercy looks at a person's heart and it sees a potential of repentance in a person. So it reduces the consequence of your action. It takes responsibility for it to give you the chance. Understand? Mercy, grace is a head start it gives you the chance to do the right thing that can begin to produce better consequences for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Again, like I said, the next segment is going to really go into this because that's actually what God wanted me to talk about. where he had me, first of all, lay this foundation before I now end time to that other side of grace because we're going to be talking about grace we're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus. We're going to be talking about the, the, the meaning of him being a ransom for us, for us to really understand it in depth.
0: Mm.
2: Grace is made available to give you a kind of head start so that you can begin to do the right things that will produce good consequences for you to help you to continue to do the right things. Does that make sense?
7: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because if you have been sinning for so long and doing the wrong things, obviously you're experiencing negative consequences that are brought suffering upon you, isn't it? Sure. And when suffering comes, it it now becomes even much harder to do what is right, right? Yeah. Because like I said, you called me idiot. I said to you, Waka, you said to me, God punish you. I said to you, God punish your parents. As that, as the more I do that, the harder it is, For you to do what is right, right? Now, if it Mm -hmm. happens to be that I now say, okay, Bukome, I'm sorry. In that moment, you don't deserve that I'm sorry, right? Mm. Because it's not the righteous that needs mercy. It's the unrighteous. So mercy is not something you deserve. Does that make sense? Yes. So if I say, okay, I'm sorry, you don't deserve it. I'm doing that in order to help you, in order for love, whatever it may be. So I said to you, Bukumi, I'm sorry, to give you an opportunity to change your path. What if I say I'm sorry? Have you ever had a moment when maybe a person having an argument, you're not you're sorry. Then I say, please, get your sorry out of here. What? How does that
1: make you feel?
0: Mm.
1: I'm asking.
7: Um, yeah, at that particular, <laughs> particular moment, like, it's it makes, like, it makes me feel somewhat like, because I'm, I'm even apologizing, but you're not, like the way you even just reacted.
2: <laughs> and then you're not saying, you know what, in fact, I'm not even sorry again, I'm isn't not
7: saying it? yes, yes. <laughs> uh,
2: that's kind of how grace works. So grace is like, grace tells you, I'm sorry, it's okay, when you don't deserve it. To give you a chance to get sense. If you don't get sense, that flogging that you are supposed to receive will come even times two. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how the mercy of God works is to give you a head start. Paul said, shall we continue in sin? Because Paul Paul was talking about how the more sin, the more grace. Because obviously, like, again, it's not the righteous that needs grace. It's the sinner that needs grace. You know, I said, shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Right? Because if you now say, let me continue in sin so that more grace can be given to me, eventually, that negative consequence that God will save you from will come upon you completely. And that's why Jesus Christ healed a paralytic man. And then he said to him, you have been made whole. Go and sin no more. lest something worse mile before you. Spicy language, spicy language, okay? Go and sin no more. lest something worse mile before you. Mm-hmm. So that man, obviously, for for, for, for Jesus Christ's forgiveness, to have, brought, to have brought healing to him, tells you that there was something that was done in the past that produced the effect of that, right? So as God, yeah. as Jesus Christ had mercy upon him, he gave him a chance to repent and begin doing the right things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does it make sense?
7: Yes, it does.
2: Let me know cap it out to make sure that we all understand. In the court of law, for example, right? For a judge to acquit your case or have mercy upon you, he or she has to first of all be convinced that you have really changed. Because the whole point of putting you in prison is to correct your behavior, isn't it, right? Yeah. There's a story of a particular young man who was a criminal in year 2002, 2003. Maybe someone here knows the story. And I don't know whether he stole (laughs) stole drugs or whatever. I don't know what he did, but there was a warrant out for his arrest and the police forgot to arrest him until about 15, (laughs) 20 years later. They now remember that they didn't arrest him, they now arrested him. But when they arrested him, they found out that after that time, he completely changed his life. He started a business. He lifted up his mm. family. He was an upstanding member in the community. So when he got to the court, the judge was like, I'm looking at this person, the person who committed a crime doesn't exist anymore. So why am I, you know, locking him up in jail? Mercy. Does that make mm.
8: sense? Yeah.
2: And in giving that person that mercy, it will even, it will even motivate him more to do good. That's if the person's head is correct. And that's why Jesus Christ thought of this parable of, um, of um, how many of us know this parable when he said, who would be appreciative more? The one who owes much and was forgiven of much or the one who owes little and was forgiven of little. Right. And then everyone said the one who owed much. True false, isn't it?
7: Yeah.
2: And that's the same way it is. So you commit a crime against American or Nigerian government, you owe the country 10 years. That's what you owe, right? If I waive off that 10 years, if your head is correct, this should inspire you to not do that crime again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's how mercy works. But we're going to talk about that much more extensively as we go on. But so far, so good. Do you, have, do you understand?
7: Yes, I do. Thank you so much. Yeah?
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. To the rest of us, do we understand? Do we understand? To the rest of us, do we understand? Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Indeed.
0: Indeed. Indeed. All right. Abimbola, thought, comment, question. Hi, good evening. Good evening. My first session here. I can't believe that this is. Oh, we're losing you.
9: You're cracking up a little bit. The the first point she made about was really um succinct for me, and then um everything you said today. Makes me want to watch. my. Okay, it's clear now.
0: We can hear you now. It's clear now. We can hear you. Sorry. sorry.
9: Hello. Uh, it's clear now. It's clear now. I am so sorry. Um, no problem. My my Bluetooth earbuds were plugged. So sorry. Okay. So no um. Uh,
0: Mm. like you're a bit distant from your microphone okay are you trying to connect your headset no we can't hear you can't hear you at all We can't hear you at all. Okay, for for the time being, we'll come back. Maybe it's better when we come back again.
2: So for the time being, we'll have confidence. Comments,
6: thoughts, question.
0: Yeah, uh,
5: I'm already so excited because I remember one time already last year, we were doing this session on love on, Mm. I don't know if, if the title was love, but you were trying to explain how love can express itself in different ways. Mm. And then someone asked you about karma. And you refused to answer because you said there was going to be a class on it. So it's really exciting that we're having that class now.
0: Well, all right, I hope Kimble whoever
5: asked the question, it's full circle. The class has come full circle over a year later. I hope the person is here because I remember that day you were like, no, I'm not going to broach it because this is a very, very big subject. So I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so I, I'm very, very excited about this class. I, and I was going to talk about something else, but when you said talk about mercy, I remember the conversation I had with Esther last week. And it was because I was watching a movie and this lady had from North Korea had got into South Korea as a defector and she had committed this a petty crime. She and someone mm-hmm. else beat someone up and mm-hmm. um, they were to be arrested, but she ran away because she has a little daughter and she wanted to have some time to train the little girl to be a little bit older. And mm-hmm. when she finally girl got, got to like eight years old, she took the girl to an orphanage and then came to the mm-hmm. police station and then surrendered and said, oh, I'm the one who committed that crime. I'm here to answer mm-hmm. for my, you know, whatever. By the time we got to court, they were trying mm-hmm. to get this woman to um, go to jail and everything, but her, her, her lawyers wanted her to go free or do probation, something like that, because it didn't make sense. Um, Long story short, they tried all they could, but it seemed like it wasn't going to work. The judge was going to get her to go to jail. They even tried to go behind the back of everybody and everything. But finally, the lady, the guy said to them, said um, that the jury has charged this woman to four years in prison. However, I'm going to let her go free and have her do probation. And the reason why is because first, she not only came and put herself in at the mercy of the courts, even while they were in court, On one of the days she said, I am sorry, I actually did this thing. Please forgive me. And she did those two things. And because of that, I feel like this woman, this woman does not deserve to go to jail. And I was crying. And then I said, "As the voice note because it was such a beautiful expression of the mercy of God. The accuser was there. The defense was there. But the judge, because he needs to be fair, they have to, you have to have the judge and the um, accuser and the defense. But it is left to him to see what is the best course of action. And because that woman had put herself at the mercy of the court. If it's funny, you say you're, you're asking for mercy, but you're the one who is putting yourself you know you're, you're qualifying yourself for mercy so karma is still in place however you have paid something i remember a video you did three years ago so i think 2020 and that was how i actually found you on instagram mm-hmm. you were talking about payments how if you if something costs 100 100 naira but you can only pay 10 naira someone must pay that 19 naira even if yes. it's not you, but it must be paid because there must be balance. Yes. And so yes. in that woman saying, oh, I am sorry for what I have done, even though I know that I, I should pay for it, but she's showing something like a legal tender. Okay, I may not be able to pay everything in full, but I'm willing to pay whatever I can. And the judge said, you know what? I'm going to pay the rest for you by giving you mercy. You know. So I, I remember that while you were talking and I wanted to share that because it's very, very profound. Um, while you were talking about karma, one of the things you were talking about reminded me of a video I'd watched during the week um, mm. about pain. And there's this mm. guy called Dr. Mike on YouTube is quite popular. And there are actually mm. people who have conditions where they, they don't feel pain. And it's one of the worst things that can happen to you because especially in children, you end up breaking bones, stepping on bottles, but you have no clue and yes. you bleed out and you die. Yes. Because Pain yeah. is literally, your it's actually an act of mercy because if you don't yeah. feel pain, You you would be walking past something and something will cut you. You have no clue. And before you know it, you have dropped dead. And so these people are living every day. In fact, they are even begging if can I just feel a little bit of pain so that my life will have meaning? So it's not necessarily about the absence of pain or the presence of pain, it's about how it is being used to make your life. Better, and so everything we were just say, it's also like the entire week I had been preparing for this class without knowing, and so we so were just good. tying together a lot of things that I had heading different places. And I just, I personally, it's one of the things I've always been telling God that I was. In fact, I was telling Um Chizwa a couple of hours ago when we were having a conversation that I feel like I am. Um, God, God told me last week that I am the one standing in my own way. That there is nobody you know, that is doing anything to me. I have set up walls that seem, that look like protection for me, but they're actually mm. stopping me from, from stepping into the things that he has prepared for me. And at first, this seemed like a safe place because of the things that happened to me in the past. But now it mm. is no longer safe. And so it is now beginning to, that cause that I thought was a good thing is now creating an effect I can't wait for the other part of this conversation, but I'm pretty excited.
2: So thank you. Awesome. So good. So good. So good. So good. God bless you. Confidence. That was so good. So good. So good. So good. So good.
0: So good. I want us all to write this. I want us all to
2: write this that I'm about to say. And afterwards, we can meditate on it to have a deeper understanding. And when I say this, I want us to tell me whether it resonates as truth or not. The grace of God is the probation of God. I want us to write that down. And I want you to tell me whether that statement sounds true or not. The grace of God... Is the probation of God. Probation, not provision. Probation. Probation. The grace of God is the probation of God. Because grace is not given for sin to abound. Grace is given for sin to be defeated. Do you understand? So those who preach a grace that gives room for evil to continue to grow. Already you can see the great fault. In that theology. The Bible completely goes against it. Nature completely. Goes against it. Completely. Goes against it. The grace of God. Is the probation of God. To give you the strength. To defeat sin. Because sometimes. Sometimes. The consequences, the negative consequences of our actions are so great that on our own, it becomes impossible for us to turn to the right. Do you know how hard it is for someone to be in San Quentin jail in America to repent and be good? Do you know how hard it will be? Do you know how hard? When you're in that place, you are are with hardened criminals Harding criminals that you literally have to become a killer to survive. I want us to reflect on that a little bit. Do you know how hard it, it would be? You're in a supermax prison. Surrounded by monsters. Do you know how hard it would be for you to become a saint there? You must have. <laughs> you must be like Jesus who was put into the belly of Hades, but the, the righteousness in him far outweighed the darkness in Hades that Hades could not keep him. It was, only, it was only right that he broke out after a while. You must be like that because that consequence, that negative consequence becomes so intense that it becomes the very thing that impedes... Oh, God is so good. Hallelujah.
1: There's something just said to me. <laughs> God. Sorry, I'm so excited because, whoa, this revelation I just came was too much. Oh, sorry, guys.
0: Woo!
1: (laughs) I'm learning here too. You don't understand. (laughs) I'm learning here, you know.
2: In the creation of laws and policies, there's something that we call clauses, Right? A clause is attached to a law or a contract in the event of some unexpected situations, right? So for example, we have maybe the past an abortion law that no longer should there be abortion in the country. When they put that kind of law, there have to be clauses that will state, if this, this, this is the situation, then this comes into effect. Are you guys, are you, are you seeing where I'm going? Do you see how deep it is? It's, it's deep, you know, because God God is like God. And God works in a lot of legality, right? Yes, abortion should be abolished, but there are cases of ectopic pregnancies. There are cases of, um, I mean, there are different names. I, won't, I don't know much. I won't say I know much about all that, but there are different cases, right? In the event of this, then this can be overruled. So God knew very well that that law of karma, right? That law of karma, yes, it's made to keep life in balance and to teach people how to, on both sides, the law of karma in giving positive consequences, it teaches people how to continue doing the right things. And also in giving negative consequences, it's supposed to teach people to do the right things. But sometimes, If the negative consequence is too much, it will make the person become hardened and eventually fall deeper into the darkness. For that reason, God made the clause of grace, right? And on the other hand, if the positive consequence is too much, it will make the person become acquiescent and forget themselves. Then God brought the clause of, well, affliction, you see. (laughs) It sounds silly, but if you reflect on it, you see that it's very deep. Because Paul said that God gave me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I exalt myself in the magnitude of revelations. Because someone like Paul, I mean, just forget about even anything spiritual. Raising people's children from the dead, healing someone's father of cancer, blessing people... Teaching people for years. You can't imagine how much affirmation and validation he was getting from everyone around him. You can't understand. The thank you will be too much. The love will be too much. The positive will be too much. That if he's not careful, he will begin to do the wrong things. So because of that, God put a clause of suffering. Does that make
0: sense? Does that make sense? Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Maybe I'll talk about,
2: cause this is very fresh. So I've not yet really packaged it very well. It just hit me now. This is like the first time
0: I'm seeing it like this, you know? But grace is a clause that is made available to save people.
2: From a situation where a law that is meant to preserve them becomes the very thing that destroys them. So God, in creating the law of karma, also saw that it wasn't absolute. So because of that, I have to put a clause inside of it in the event of this and this. And that's where grace comes in. And that's how the balance is achieved. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because a person whose negative actions have brought him into a prison, a supermax prison, Kirikiri prison. The kind of evil that you experience, which is what you've created, understand? That evil you experience in that Kirikiri is what you have created. Well, what you have created is so terrible that it is now impossible for you to come out on your own. And that's where grace comes in, to give you an assistance. That's why the grace of God is probation to give you a chance to begin to carry out the right actions that will begin to produce better consequences for you. Do we all understand that? Do
0: we all understand that? It's something to reflect on. I want us to reflect on it. For those of us who are finding it hard to understand, I want us to reflect on it. I once
2: heard of a particular man who spoke about a cast of prophets, mystics, people who are very deep, spiritually, who really attained so many heights. And he told me that there's something they developed in order to keep themselves on the ground. That from time to time, now this is not something that is a law, but these people just develop different things for different purposes. He said there's something they started doing. From time to time, they will cut their hand. And they'll squeeze lemon inside of the wound so that they are feeling a lot of pain in their body. Because if not for that, they will be so high that they will be completely disconnected from everyone. And then they who are supposed to be a blessing become a curse because they they will be so detached. Because they are too high, they had to find a way to keep themselves down. Nothing was keeping them down again. They were too high, so they had to find ways to just keep themselves down, you know? Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? It's a kind of clause. This is what you call a clause, that when you realize that this thing is not absolute, you now bring in something else, you know? And that's why Jesus Christ, the one who had earned all kind of positive consequences, had to be the one to endure the greatest negative consequence of all. Are you guys understanding it now? Are you understanding it? How the thing now balances and becomes a circle? If you can see it. In what I said, there's a circle. If you can picture it, there's a circle. You know? There's a circle. The one who has done so much to earn the best now becomes the candidate for the worst. And the one who has done the worst now becomes the candidate for the best. It's a mystery. You can't understand it with my mind. The human mind can never understand this. The human mind can never understand this. It's a mystery.
0: It's a mystery. Do you guys? Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? It's a mystery. But
2: allow us to reflect on this. It seems the only confidence that is getting, getting me here. It, the rest of us is sleeping. Where is everybody?
0: You know? Where are we? are we? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Right now, what is happening is that we are,
2: we are talking about the spirit of things. And for those of us who have been around for a while, you know that when I'm teaching things, I first of all start in the spirit of things. I start with the essence of things. I start with I start in the clouds, then I start bringing it down to very, very relatable circumstances. What is important that we understand the spirit of it first. And when we understand the spirit, we can understand how it now applies in daily life and common circumstances and all those things which we're going to get to. Well, let us just write it down. That the grace of God is the probation of God. Just put it there. And then we'll unpack that further. On. So um, um, Abimbola, I believe
0: you should, your, 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 um, your microphone should be good now. Abimbola, if you're able to speak, Abimbola, okay, maybe he's not ready, Victor, Victor Winner, thoughts,
4: comments, questions, yeah, thank you, good evening, Are, are are you
1: following me, are you following,
4: yes, I am, Come on. Attent- Come on, attentively. Come on. Yes, I. Am. <laughs> Come on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I wondered. I, I was not sure what I wanted to talk about when I raised my hand. But then, when she asked about grace, and then you were you were you were explaining to her, and then I just started getting this insights like. Oh my God. Yeah, so I want to talk about the grace of God in relation to karma and then um, in line with the things that you have explained to us on um, what karma is and how it has played out even from the Garden of Eden. Yeah, this is the thing. This is the grace of God. Adam was was sent out of the garden of Eden because of, uh, no, as a result of the consequences of his action. Indeed. And then, and then obviously that was not God's plan. That was not what God wanted. That was not God's perfect will. So it's, but, so, yes. So it was, it was a consequence. So Adam left the garden of Eden. And then the children of Israel that, and then he started begotten sons and then they said and then God was there in heaven. God was saying this is not what I want I know this is not what I want. <laughs> I know it's not what I want. <laughs> this is but let this thing just happen. So um, and then God chose a race the children of Israel and then God wanted to from them, Turned the whole world back to him, yes. And this, and God took them on a journey. The Bible would would record that. Oh, um, uh, that's in the New Testament. You would you would see it over and a, again that oh, because of the disobedience, they were not able to enter into the promise. So God was showing them signs. Yes, God was giving them um, 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 signs. Oh, this is what you should do. This is, this is how you would get back to me. But then they had so gotten deep into the negative that they could not even see the positive. Yes, as you as you mentioned. So they were, they were so into the negative that it would take only the grace of God for them to, to see that, oh, this thing I am doing it is supposed the the consequences I'm getting are supposed to turn me to the positive, but they 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 were too blinded that they could, they 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 already started enjoying the, the negative consequence and then distressing it as oh this was normal, but it was not. So God would God would then send the, the ten commandments to them. God would um, uh, and then Paul would call the ten commandment mm-hmm. later a schoolmaster. That was supposed to, to to teach, to to teach us about um, the 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 purpose of God. That was the grace of God. Yeah, but they could not even, even see it in their mind. They they thought that they could do it by themselves. But God was saying, "Oh no, you can't do it by yourself." And then um, until this mercy came, Jesus Christ came. God had to. In His mercy, say that oh, these people they were they have gone too deep. They have gone too deep. Their heart has become like stone, so they cannot even see. So why not me come, take these consequences from them, tell them that oh, I have taken these consequences, and then anybody that looks at it and say oh oh God has taken this consequence. Okay now, um, okay now there's nothing for me to pay. Why not me just be but why don't we just accept this thing and then follow God and then um, that person would be saved but anybody that does not that still decides to remain blinded that person would still face the consequence of their sin so I think that's what Indeed. mercy yes so so I think I think I think that's how mercy worked and then also you mentioned a- about two extremes the bad and then the good the, Mercy was there too. Um, okay. The the extreme of the good. You know that assuming assuming that um humans were able to to after they have gone so deep into sin, they were able to now turn by themselves, not God coming to turn them, assuming they were able to now turn by themselves, then they would I I think. We would, we would, there would, there would be no need in quotes for God, yeah, because it would not be by our power. So mercy still had to come to show even that. Oh, you, you have been doing so good, but no, you, you, this good that you're doing is not enough. The, that's God, God still, God was still in the center. So the mercy of God. Was, was the ability for him to pay fully for what we were not able to pay for. And then the only way we'll be able to live in God's mercy or tap into that is if we accept that, oh, yes, I was not able to do this. And now God has helped me do it. So I will now rely fully on God. So that, I think that's the that's the idea of, of God's mercy and karma. Karma is wait um,
2: for
1: the sake of time. We might have to yeah. stop there.
4: Okay, okay, thank you. Well, right well.
1: God bless you so much, Victor. That was so so good. Um, I mean, yeah, I
2: I liked how you were trying to you know arrange the thoughts. Um, I mean, indeed, I mean, a very beautiful way we can look at it is I mean, if we didn't look at it personally, right? And this was something to reflect on. If I'll bring all this to a very personal level, right? It gets to a point where someone has done so much evil, quote unquote, that they really and genuinely deserve a lot of evil in return. And a person who has done evil and know that they deserve a lot of evil in return, when goodness is given to them, and the, the, the key word is someone who knows that they deserve evil. When good is given to them, there's something that happens. How many of us have had that experience before? When we know that we're truly deserving of a flogging from someone, maybe a friend, maybe our spouse, and we said something that we knew that this person should have finished me. And the person, maybe they even said sorry. Maybe they even just hugged you. And they, how many of us have been there before? How, how did you feel? How did you feel? It humbles you exactly. It humbles you. It, it breaks you to pieces. It breaks you to pieces. It just, it just you know, like Mary Magdalene, based on the law that she was taught growing up, She knew that she was deserving of that death that was about to come upon her. She knew that she was deserving of death. When Jesus Christ gave her life instead,
0: he did something to her, something that she never forgot. When all the disciples had fled,
2: she was there at the foot of his cross when he was dying
0: because of the great mercy and grace that he bestowed upon her.
2: And sometimes, when a people have so far gone into the left that we know that what they are truly deserving is evil in that moment. If they are aware of the evil they deserve, try giving them good. Try it to your marriages. Try it to your friendships. You know? Have you ever had an experience when you and this person are arguing, you but you, you know this person is the wrong. And maybe you all of a sudden apologize for the wrong that you did. You don't see how their face will change. And they say, oh, I'm sorry. Have you guys
0: ever experienced that before? Have you experienced that before? Their face will just change. Because gratitude
2: only happens when we receive what we haven't earned. If you receive what you've earned, it's justice. You're not grateful, it's justice. I worked for 30 days, I deserve this particular salary. It's justice. There's nothing to be grateful for, right? When you get less than you deserve, now that's injustice. But when you get more than you deserve, that's gratitude. Right? You know you, 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 you deserve $300,000 at the end of the month, $200,000, $100,000 at the end of the month. But all of a sudden your boss says, ah, I loved your work ethic this month. I'm so impressed by it. You know what? I want to encourage you. Here is a bonus of 250000 How would you feel in that moment? So grateful. You don't necessarily feel grateful for your salary because you work for it, right? You work for the salary. You know, you sign a contract so you know that this is what you're supposed to do for this salary. But when you get that bonus that is beyond what you haven't earned, or is beyond what you have earned, it produces gratitude in your heart. And that's how grace works. Especially for those who are aware that they are not deserving of it. There are some people like the Bible talked who have completely sworn that they will never receive God and everything and theirs is reserved for the second death in the lake of fire, which is, something entirely that we will discuss eventually, you know, cause it's not what
0: many people think it is, but until then, until then, someone who is aware of the fact that they don't deserve kindness, when they're
2: giving kindness, they are in shock and it does something to them.
0: That's
2: where grace comes in. For someone who has gone all the way to the left, Now for someone who has gone all the way to the right, that deserves all the goodness and glory and honor in the world, after deserving everything good, they are
0: willing to sacrifice it for the sake of another person. Now that that is Christ. Do you understand? That
2: is Christ and you see how everything comes together. If you can understand very well, if you can paint the picture of what I just explained, you see the yin and yang symbol involved. How the black has white in it and the white has black in it, how everything just merges, you see it involved. Because all those symbols didn't just come from nowhere. It came from the most profound wisdom. The fact that it was represented in a form or in a language that is contrary to us or different from us doesn't mean that they don't, there's no understanding of this reality. That's why Christ calls himself the lion and the lamb. It's a union of opposites. Everything must come back to the same place somehow. The one who does so bad eventually becomes a
1: candidate for so good. And the one who does so good (laughs) becomes a candidate for so bad. It's a mystery.
2: And I want us to reflect very deeply on it. Especially when God tells us to have to show grace to someone who truly is deserving of ruin. They are really deserving of ruin. And that's what you need to understand because they wouldn't need grace if they were righteous. So I say, but God, doesn't, but God they don't deserve this grace. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you to give it. Do you, are you guys following me? Are you guys with me? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's because they don't deserve it that God is asking you to give it. Don't have you don't need to have mercy on, on a righteous man. A righteous man doesn't need mercy, he will not be in a situation that will require mercy because his entire life he's the one giving mercy most of the time. He doesn't do anything that makes him need mercy. So, when God says mercy, it's because the person deserves it and he has put it in your hand to release it. It's a mystery. The one who does a lot of things that makes him deserving of all the glory becomes the one who gives that up. And when he gives that up, as Jesus Christ said, no one takes my life from me. I lay down. But when I lay down, I'll pick it back up again. And then one receives something even more greater than what they thought they had. Am I preaching to someone here? My preaching is someone here. This is a heavenly mindset. I don't even claim to be there yet. I'm on the journey and I'm just sharing what I'm saying. So don't think there's someone <laughs> talking to you from. <laughs> These are things I'm also learning in my own daily life, right? That's the heavenly mindset. It's expensive. It's expensive. So grace is probation. So I want us to just remember that everything I just said, put it under the heading of grace is probation. Is some leeway that God gives to you in order to give you the chance to repent and change your ways. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to take one more person and I'll give the final thoughts for the evening. Because I want us to be out of here at 10.30, 10.45. So, okay. Okay. Um, um, if you can, if you can summarize in one or two minutes, it'd be fantastic. If everyone that raised yes. their hands can actually speak in one or two minutes, then we all can go. So it's just a matter of time. So if you can go in one or two minutes, yes. amazing. Then all three people can go. Okay.
9: Thank you. So I'll just share on the grace of God being the provision of God. So um, I, I have a gadgets um, business around, but lately I got, to, I got to understand that there's a difference between, um, between running a business and um, only or just exploit, like, or just exploiting opportunities. A business has structure. And um, if a business doesn't have structures, then one is merely exploiting opportunities. So um, I wasn't excellent in my approach to business all through the year. And I knew it. I knew it. Yet I didn't do the necessary things I was meant to do, the necessary structure and all I was meant to do. So, God's grace was speaking. Um, There was provision, customers were still coming, and things were going smoothly. But, like I said, I knew that there were things I needed to do, and yet I didn't do. Then, um, last month, or ending of June, and last month, and this month, I have been having serious issues. And these issues stemmed from the structure at didn't put in place and the um, wrong things or the um, lack of excellence per se so like you said the grace of God is the probation of God there was that period where there was so much um, going on God's grace was God's grace was speaking but still I abused it by not doing the right thing I was exploiting opportunities, not running a business. So um, thank you for sharing that, sir. And I'm doing the necessary now. God bless you.
1: God bless you. God bless you. a very good picture. And I hope that you allow yourself to learn what you're supposed to learn in this time, huh?
0: Thank you, sir. And by the grace of God, God bless you. God bless you. Adria, go ahead. Uh, Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How are you?
10: Fine, thank you. Um, Guys, Idri is
1: my baby sister, by the way. (laughs) So all those times when you hear me talk about my baby sister, this is she. (laughs) Go Uh, on.
10: (laughs) Okay, so I have a point regarding um, the grace of but it's probation and the necessary pain. So, so I had a recent experience where I had, it was I, I can call it a nervous system of function, basically,
0: mm-hmm.
10: where uh, it felt like my leg, I felt pain in my leg, like my leg was broken, but there was nothing mm-hmm. wrong with my leg. And mm-hmm. in that moment, I actually understood how pain worked. That mm-hmm. what was happening now was literally against the purpose of what God had designed pain to be. Because if mm-hmm. I had actually broken my leg, pain is to show me don't walk on that leg. Like I kept getting signals of don't walk on the leg, it's broken. If you walk, you're aggravated. But I knew nothing was wrong with my leg. So I kept walking. Well, if I had actually broken it, pain would save my life in that moment. That don't walk on this, you will further aggravate the issue. Stop. And it made me understand that God really, there's nothing unnecessary, right? Because what I was feeling at that point, I can call it a dysfunction of what God designed. But if I were to actually break my leg, and feel pain. That was the function that God designed. Like, as terrible as that situation is, that was the function that God designed to actually save and help me, right? And then, basically, to my, the grace of God is the of God. So something happened, and I got into, let's say, a fight with someone, and it was a, things were said that really hurt me, and I felt this was not fair. But God, God was like, I'm trying to teach you something. And the situation kept escalating. And then I found myself enraged. (laughs) I found myself with so much anger. I was so upset. And in that moment, God told me, he said, can you see the anger that is coming out of you? Can you see the anger that is coming out of you? That." That is what I wanted to come up for you to see what is there, and in that moment, I I couldn't even con- I couldn't even continue like the the fight that was building in me the fight kind of dissolved because I was like wow because I saw myself I was I was enraged and I didn't even know I could reach this this height of anger this level of anger and it was like a test to show me. Me for me to see that because in actuality tests are not for you to fail, they are to show you where your assessment level. And I had been assessed and I was angry, and he showed me that honestly when he does certain things is for your own benefit because now I can work on myself. Because if I were to continue moving and thinking I'm perfect, I I can do this, I can do that, but that anger was still
0: there. That that anger would be hindrance in my life whether I like it. We lost you. We can't hear you. We lost you, Ajiro. Ajiro, we can't hear you. Is it just me? Okay. Can you guys hear her?
7: No, we can't.
0: Okay. No, okay, we so. can't.
1: Okay, okay, I think our network is down. Adria, we lost
0: you. Okay. Okay. Okay, maybe we'll just move forward. Adria, can you hear us? Okay, so,
2: okay, I think our network is bad. so she went off. Well, yeah, that's absolutely, um,
0: that's absolutely true. Um, Adria, are you back? If you're back, you can unmute your microphone. Yeah, I'm back. Uh huh.
10: Sorry, what was the last thing you heard, please?
1: You were talking about um, you are talking about
2: how you saw the anger come inside, come outside of you, and you saw that that was um, something that God wanted you to see. So around, around there.
10: Oh yeah. So when I saw that pouring out of me, like. I couldn't even continue. I didn't even have the will to continue fighting because I was like, "This is bad. This is bad." And I saw at that moment that this was a test to show me where I was, my assessment level, and I was, and I saw where I was, and I was like, "I need to deal with this for me to continue to progress in life. This anger cannot follow me. It can't continue with me. It can't help me." And that's what he—that's actually what that situation was trying to show me. As painful as it was, as absolutely as. As was unfair as it was, as unfair as it looked, it was very necessary. It was a necessary pain for me to be better. Because anger, right. that much anger cannot help, help me in life in a lot of things. I, and I needed to let it go. And it was very important for me to see that. So, yeah, thank Indeed. you. That was Absolutely. my.
2: Absolutely. Very brilliant. Very, very brilliant. Um, I especially love it when you talked in the beginning how your nervous system. When it started to misfire, now it started to become counterproductive, going against the design of God. And that teaches us something, right? Because when we have an understanding of the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, what separates us from animals is that we are able to do things consciously. Like God has given us the power to, in a circumstance where what is supposed to be natural isn't happening, we can then carry out what is supposed to be natural. So an example is that, um, an example, okay, she talked about how her legs started to feel pain when there was no damage, right? So it means that pain was misplaced. Now, this same understanding, we can start to apply it in our relationships because sometimes we create pain for people when it does not necessarily apply. Sometimes you create pain for people when it doesn't necessarily apply, and we create pleasure for people when it also does not apply. When you create pleasure for someone when it doesn't apply, you enforce the wrong thing in them. And when you create pain for someone when it doesn't apply, you discourage them from doing the right thing. Does that make sense?
0: Does that make sense? Does it make sense to us? Because
2: the effects of pain and pleasure were created by God to push us in the right direction. But when it is applied in the right place, pain misapplied discourages right action. Pleasure misapplied encourages wrong action. And that's something we need to reflect on. And even as parents, that's what, we're, we're, in our home, when we have children in our home, by telling them no, yes, punishing them for doing this, rewarding them for doing that, when are in a sense, trying to create a micro picture of what the world looks like. So Bukumi, I said, when pleasure is misplaced, When you give a person pleasure when they haven't done anything that has earned it, when they haven't done anything that earned it, you enforce the wrong action. When you give a person pain, when they haven't earned it, you discourage right action, right? So, for example, you tell a person, oh, speak to me, you know, um, be more transparent with me. Be more honest with me. And every time they're honest, you flog them. What will happen, I'm asking? What will happen? Someone starts to become more honest with you, tell you what is really going on with them. And then you judge them, condemn them, beats them up. What will happen after? Yeah, exactly. Lies will follow, right? They will stop being honest, right? Because you have given a negative reaction to something that deserves something positive. So the whole, one, of the, one of the purposes of understanding this law is how to now become conscious participants of the law of karma. When in our own, we, 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 we don't just leave it to chance. We don't wait until something bad happens to us before we start to feel sorrowful for a wrong deed. Does that make sense? Because now we're willing, compliance with the law. Does it make sense? That before someone even praises you for doing something good, you feel great. Does that make sense? Because you're not a conscious participant of the law. And you're not waiting for someone on the outside to do something to you. You are you already feel it from the inside of yourself. You're not a conscious participant of the law of karma. Because some of us, if someone doesn't praise us, we'll, we'll continue doing it. Right? And if we bring it to, to, um, to very common terms, and this is for women, one of the reasons why... For example, women, any not all women, but a lot of women today talk about how, man, what do you mean I should cook? Why should I be in the kitchen? You know, all this stuff. The reason why a lot of women have started to look at the kitchen as something dishonorable is because honor has not been there for some time, right? A man is married to a woman, she's doing everything she can, she's Cooking everything, she's cleaning everything, she's taking care of the house, taking care of everyone, and then it goes to take one silly girl that cannot even boil rice. Do you guys get my point? Do you guys get my point? Now, because of that, it is a great motivating factor to make her stop doing something that is good. Right? Because it's a good thing to want to care for the home. Not saying that that's all a woman should do, right? Because when a world is completely different from 200 years ago, right? But if a woman stops taking care of the home because she thinks it's something degrading, then there's a, there's a misunderstanding that has happened. And as much as men have a heavy role to play in undoing that mindset that we created, the woman also has that role to play in taking control of her own destiny. And even though there isn't praise here, I still do it because this is right. Do you guys get what I'm saying? And applies to every other thing in life. Because sometimes people will not praise you when you do the right thing. But you still have to do it anyway. And still find that joy in yourself because you know that this is right. That's part of being a conscious participant of the law of karma. And at the same time, you've done something wrong. No one around you knows it's wrong. No one can see it like maybe you go to a supermarket and they give you extra change. No one knows, right? No one, at least at that point in time, will punish you. But because you understand that law, you inflict that punishment on yourself now and then do the right thing. You feel that sorrow now and then do the right thing before the sorrow comes. Do you understand? When you're a conscious participant of the law, the law does not need to flog you. You already do it to yourself. Nothing has to happen in, 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 um, in
0: nature. Indeed, I've been born a godly sorrow. You know? When you instill the law upon yourself,
2: nothing has to happen on the outside to try and bring you back. You've already become a law within yourself. Your conscience within you has begun to balance you out and make you feel pain where you ought to feel pain, and make you feel joy where you ought to feel joy. I mean, that's the purpose of parenting, actually, to teach the children when to feel joy and when to feel pain. And that's why we flog them. Why do we flog children, right? Even though, as we're, as we're in, in, in the 21st century, we are, we're beginning to realize that there are many other ways to correct a child than flogging, many other ways, right? To be honest, I mean, growing up, Flogging was not as great a torture as stay in your room when all my friends are playing outside. Who can relate to what I'm talking about? Who can relate to what I'm talking about? When they say stay in your
1: room, don't go and you see all your friends playing, in fact, beat me from now to tomorrow <laughs> not for me to endure this. <laughs> so there are many other ways to get to a child
2: than flogging. Regardless, the reason why we flog them or punish them when the wrong action is done is to create a consciousness of pain within them associated with that action.
0: Because on their own, they cannot understand that this thing they are doing is painful. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because when they steal, from the divine point of view, if you do something that will
2: sooner or later cause you pain, you have already done a painful thing, if you are wise, you already know that, ah, as I've stolen, this is a painful thing before the pain comes. Because if pain is guaranteed, then you might as well treat it now as though the pain has come. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So a child has not yet associated pain to stealing. They don't know that stealing is a painful thing because they are not yet old enough to know that if you and steal outside, maybe in the market. One person, it just takes one person to say, ole, 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 and everybody gathers around you to beat hell out of you. At that age, they don't know that. But when you flood them every time they steal, or you give them a correction, or sometimes even forgive them, different ways, they start to attach the right thing to certain actions. And before nature has to bring that punishment upon them, they already start to feel it here and now, and they begin to align themselves. That's how, that's that's what we're supposed to do with children in the home. And that's what God does to us, to make us conscious, conscious participants of the law. And someone asked a very beautiful question, and that was amazing. Egono said, can one say being a conscious participant makes one no, no longer under the law? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Exactly. Exactly. Because the law is not made for someone who is lawful. The law is made for the lawless. Maybe someone can even post that scripture for us. The law is not made for the lawful person. The law is made for the lawless person. Just like mercy isn't made for the lawful person, mercy is made for the lawless person. So when we begin to develop that law on the inside of ourselves, where from inside of us, we are beginning to adjust and align and correct ourselves. We don't need any external correction. When we were young, they needed to brush our teeth. They needed to give us a shower. They needed to tell us to brush our teeth and tell us to have a shower. But when the understanding of the purpose of taking our bath and brushing our teeth entered inside of us, did anyone have to ask us to do all those things? Right?
0: No one. Because that knowledge had now rested inside of us. We became conscious
2: participants. Of the law. Indeed, Abimbola. if we judge ourselves, no one will judge us. And we will not even be judged by anyone. Right? If you develop that nature of knowing where you are in the wrong, when someone calls you out, you will not be offended. Isn't it? True or false? You won't be offended. And you won't even need it. Because before they already called it out, you have seen it. And you've already started repenting but it's the one who is unable to see their wrongs that like when someone calls them out they'll be very very offended by it you see one of the reasons why god starts to teach us the law is for us to become conscious participants of the law and this is the second half i'll just touch on today there's this, is, uh, this is the second half I of on today and the next installment of this lecture will go further because all this i'm saying now is actually foundation It gets very, very deep and very, very spiritual. But as you know, I love to take my time to unpack things so that it leaves a long lasting imprint in our minds that we have solid understanding. God wants to make us conscious
0: participants of the law. Do you understand? That's why Peter. James, John, the first time they flogged them.
2: They rejoiced in the temple that they counted worthy to suffer for the glory of Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ as well, when Mary came and poured oil on his head, he didn't argue with her, isn't it? Because some of us, if someone does us kindness, say, ah, why you don't do it? So i be true or false, guys. How many of us are such people that we don't even know the goodness that we deserve? How many of us are such people? I'm asking. Well, I don't I don't expect us to, to raise our hands, you know, except you are bold enough to say that, you know. But well, how many of us are such people that we feel uncomfortable when people start to be kind and nice and you know do something like a, a repayment for, for a good, you know, a good work. You know, we start to feel
0: ah, somehow bad and everything, you know. It's something to reflect on. Because ultimately, all these things that
2: we're teaching about is actually supposed to influence
0: our day-to-day lives. Indeed, Fiona, when they reverence us, you know. We have to know that,
2: you know, we have to know that. We have to know, oh, this is something that has been earned and enjoy it. Enjoy it to the point that it is, it, that it is um, what can I say? Enjoy it to the point that it is, let me say the word true, because you need to know when someone has, has, has given you more than you have earned because that's the point where they'll lead you to destruction. You know, like they say, they can clap you to your grave. You have to know when this clap has gone beyond what belongs to you. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And you know when that person, even though what they're doing is nice, they're actually breaking the law of karma in this moment. And they are going to put me in trouble. Indeed confidence, they will increase your debt portfolio. You need to be aware when the pleasure you are getting is too much and you by yourself put some of it away. Do you guys understand what I'm saying?
0: Is this making sense? Are you guys following? Is everyone following? You know? These are things we need to understand so that no one claps us into
2: destruction because people can flatter a lot. And oftentimes they are flattering you to manipulate you. Because when we're children, we we'll laugh with mommy. Oh, you look so beautiful. OK, mommy,
1: please, can I have 5000 <laughs> naira? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a scam. <laughs> Some of us are wise
2: enough that the the will would do it about three four days before we ask what
1: you want so that they don't connect the two. <laughs> because if we do it on the same day, they'll know it's a scam. So maybe we'll do it like three days ahead. Then on the third day, <laughs> When the joy of your praise is there, but they don't have memory of it.
2: You now ask them,
1: say, I oh, don't no, worry. Take in fact, take ten thousand. You're a good child. God bless you. <laughs> Trust me, we did this thing. <laughs> of course, I'm speaking from experience now. <laughs> you plan some days ahead so that they can't connect it <laughs> like my mom now. Ah, my mom. I don't have seen my mom before <laughs> that woman. <laughs> Ah, you know what they call <laughs> she likes it uh, Ah, my mom if she wants to just brighten her, they don't say like, ah, you look so lovely, look at your dress oh really, and then she should not get up and go and look in the mirror and say oh wow this, ah, let me tell you the story of this dress <laughs> so growing up <laughs> we just washed her we just start to wash her very well <laughs> <laughs> We'll start to wash her, you know. Say, ah, mommy, ah, mommy, you're looking to find this hair. What you, you know, wine high lot, you know, <laughs> in like two days now. You're not asked for what you're looking for. that <laughs> like was said, his mom will be rejected the flattery in advance. <laughs> 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 Indeed,
2: <laughs> you know, we have to be aware, you know, of when this clap is too much, this praise is too much. And also be aware of when this pain is too much or when it is deserving. You know, there was one time, and it's the same understanding of karma that helped me. There was one time about three years ago, this is when Esther and first Started knowing each other. I just came back to Nigeria and we just started seeing each other physically. And one day, when the car, I think we're going to a, a restaurant, and then, and then I can't remember what she said. She said something that offended me. And in my offense, I now said something to intentionally offend her. When she now got very offended, she now said something to offend me even more. And when it came, in that moment, I remembered karma and I knew that I'm the one that's created this result. And if I want the situation to change, I must do something differently. If not, this cycle will continue again. So when she brought back that heat back to me, I just remembered karma. And I changed my action. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the moment that happened, it also gave her the chance to also see, oh, what she said wasn't nice. And we both apologized. And that's how the situation was solved. But in that moment, if I didn't understand that that cycle of cause and effect was happening and that the suffering I was experiencing from her was actually what I had created. Indeed, Abimbola, a gentle answer turned away wrath in that moment, if I didn't see and understand truthfully that I'm the one that created this reaction, or at least I'm part of the reason why this reaction has happened, I will not have been able to change that narrative. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Helen. God bless you, you know. Indeed, because it's it's very real, you know. And as we go forward, we're going to, we're bringing these teachings into very, very, like I said, we'll start off with the, with the essence of it, the idea of it, the spirit of it. Then we'll now bring it down to daily things, you know, day-to-day stuff. And then it now takes on a full
0: picture, you know, it takes on a full picture. So in that moment,
2: I was aware that this negative consequence I just experienced I had created it and I accepted it. And that's the only way to break it. Because some of us right now are in the middle of some consequences that we have created, but we don't want to own up to it. We don't want to own up to it. And we don't want to see it, that this that is happening and part of the reason why it's here And you see, when we don't see that we are the ones that created causes that brought this effect, when we're not aware of that, we'll continue carrying out the same causes that will keep producing those same effects, and then we blame God for it. Marriage, for example, that's the place where you can really see this law of karma apply so greatly. Because today, is a fruit of the seeds
0: of yesterday. And today is a seed of tomorrow. I want us to reflect on that. The present is a fruit of the past. And the present
2: is the seed of the future. So let us write that down. The present is the fruit of the past. And the present is the seed of the future. Remember I said, every effect you see is also a potential cause. And that's how the cycle is. I give an example in the beginning. I said, someone on stage sang, and that made me happy. So their singing was a cause. My happiness was the effect. Now, because I was happy, I now decided to clap. My happiness was a cause. The clap was the effect. When I clapped, it produced a sound. My clap was the cause. The sound was the effect. When the sound went to the person on stage, it made them happy. The sound became a cause and that person's happiness became an effect. And that's how the cycle goes on. And that's how the more you clap for the performer, the more they even get more riled up. And that's how karma is just happening in that place to make everybody enjoy themselves. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So marriage, for example, is just like that. And most people, they don't see how part of the reason why their marriage is the way it is, is as a result of certain seeds that have been planted in the past. Good, or good and bad. Because we have to be conscious of the negative seeds that produce the negative present. The negative seeds of the past that produce the negative fruits of the present. And the positive fruits of the past that produce the positive fruits, no, the positive seeds of the past that produce the positive fruits of the
0: present. Because there's something you said to your wife or your husband last week that made them so happy
2: and did make them to do a lot of things nice for you. But you don't connect the cause and effect. And then you stopped it. And all of a sudden, your wife or your husband is not now
0: doing that thing again. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Does it make sense to us, you know? even for those of us that are not married, even in friendships as well,
2: right? When you reflect deeply on it, every effect is a product of a past cause. And if you want to sustain a positive or negative effect, all you need to do is sustain a positive or negative cause. And that's why Jesus Christ told the person he healed go and sin no more. Because the only way to sustain that infirmity upon himself is if he sustains actions of sin. Do you guys understand? So when he gave him that instruction, he was not teaching him how to become a conscious participant of the law of karma. Paul was a conscious participant of the law of karma of karma, and he understood that if he allows his head to swell beyond measure, that swelling of the head will cause him to do certain things that will eventually pull him down to hell. So when God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet him, even though he was doing so much good, he understood the benefit of it, and he said, thank you, Jesus. Well, not immediately. He said, I prayed three times for God to take it away from me, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he made peace with it and understood the good thing that that was creating inside of himself. In order to wrap up this conversation, I want to say finally, because a lot of notes I made, you know, I've not really used them because God just took us in a different direction, but we'll see how to bring them out. But there's something I want us to remember I want this particular thing to really stick in our heads. The consequences
0: are oftentimes always greater than the action.
2: The consequences are oftentimes always greater than the action. You put a small seed into the soil. You get a whole tree that produces thousands of seeds. You give a person a simple compliment. Who knows, next week, they might just remember you when there's a job opening and then you get a job that can change the whole destiny of your family. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You just be rude a little bit to the wrong person and your name is called up in a room of promotion. And the person says, that person, no, 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 this person's character is, is, is nasty. If you put them there, they will disgrace this company. And that's how your small insult caused you to lose an opportunity of a lifetime.
0: Some of us, as women, we look at the husband and we say, You useless, unfortunate man, look
2: at what your mates have, just that one word. And you don't know that your marriage has already come to an end. Men, you have your wife and you just give un- un- unnecessary remarks, comparing her to another woman or this your, your past girlfriend, your past wife, just that small word. And you don't know that your
0: marriage has come to an end. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying relatable? Is what I'm saying relatable? The consequence is always greater than the action.
2: And when we get that consequence that is greater than the action, we have to, let me use the word, the good that we have to do after that must be greater than the evil that we did. So if you tell someone, shut up, that's the evil that you did, and it produced a big reaction, you must, you must say something to them that is like, if you compare it, is twice as, la- ah, God help me, I'm looking for the right article. Who knows what I'm trying to say? Who knows what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm trying to articulate.
0: Who knows what I'm trying to say? Let me see if anyone is following. Who knows what I'm trying to say? You know? Who wants to give it a shot? Okay, so I said that. When, when
2: you do something negative, it produces a reaction that is oftentimes greater than what you did. You put a small seed into the soil, you get a tree. You give a small compliment to your mother, you get 10,000 naira.
1: You are rude to your mother. In fact, (laughs) we all know the story. (laughs) You say one small insult to your husband or your wife, your marriage is in jeopardy, right?
0: When you do something negative and you get a negative result
2: that is greater than what you did, the good you must do in return must be far greater than the evil you initially did. Right? So it didn't cost you anything to just tell your father to hell with you. It didn't cost you much. but that small to hell with you opened a can of worms. Now, the way you must roll on the ground, the way your mother must beg for you, the way you have to call your cousins and uncles and aunties to solve the situation, do you get my point?
0: The good you must do will be greater than the evil you did initially. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So let's say you did evil in your
2: marriage, for example, in your friendship. Sorry, won't cut it. In fact, you might spend the next two years on doing two years of doing good works to undo an evil work of 10 minutes. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you understand exactly, Abimbola? Recompense is always far more expensive than having done the right thing. Beautiful, you see. I like. You see, I love that equation. You know, that's why the Bible talks about obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God prefers obedience
6: to sacrifice.
2: Yes, Mama Helen. Repairing of evil is highly expensive. It's more expensive than what it costs to put that evil into activity. Yes, Shaneful me, the apology must be louder than the disrespect. It is always like that. We're still paying for what Adam did. Just one moment.
1: All of humanity is to pay. Are you guys understand what I would say? We're still paying for it. Do you understand? Still, do you know how much goodness you have to
2: generate in yourself to remain pure in a prison?
0: You can't imagine. It is unquantifiable unquantifiable. Because the recompense for wrong action will always cost more than the
2: wrong action itself. And that's something I want us to remember. Like I said, we're really going to unpack this thing, but I just want to give us something that's very personal that we can take as we're going from here that can help us really think a lot. Because after this next session, I'm really going to go more inboard and talk about things that are a bit much deeper because sometimes you don't have to do anything, just your character of bitterness, that nature of bitterness inside of you, you don't know that it is speaking in the atmosphere and it's bringing things of that nature to you. And until that bitterness is dissolved inside of you, you will never be short of bitter circumstances. But that's something we'll talk about later, you see. And the same is true on the inverse. When there's so much goodness in you, that goodness becomes a magnet that begins to pull such your way without you even doing anything.
0: You see? But we'll go into all of that, you know. God needs to give us the grace because
2: these are laws that he put in place and it's, 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 it applies both ways, right? Because like I said, one small word of kindness one small word of kindness can change a lot. Kindness, if it's said at the right place, at the right time, yes, the life multiplier, at the multiplier
0: effect is incredible. Is incredible. Is incredible. When someone is down, hmm, and in that moment, they really,
2: really need someone to have mercy upon them. And you are aware of that and you have mercy upon them. The multiply effect is incredible. They will never forget it
0: in their life. They will never forget it in their life. If I'll speak of a story, because the Holy Spirit is bringing it into my memory.
2: And frankly, I didn't want to say it, but it's just saying, talk about it. It's just fine. I had a friend who used to live with me once when I was in Dubai, and he just moved to Dubai at that time. He didn't have a house. So I let him stay with me, and he didn't have money. A lot of times I used to give him money. It wasn't much, like $100, $20, like that. I used to buy him clothes, and then I was in the streets and everything, so I used to take him out to me, and I used to go to the clubs, to restaurants, to parties, to hotels. I used to take him everywhere I went to, you know. I would go to the supermarket, buy food, I would cook the food for him to eat and everything.
0: You know, and in my mind, that was just, it didn't mean it, it didn't mean anything. Like it was nothing for me. Like it's, it really was nothing, you know. So interestingly on, on, on
2: my birthday this year, I, I hadn't spoken to him in a while. So my birthday, you now saw me say, ah, bro, I need to bless you. Ah, ah. I said, oh, what happened? He now sent me some money on my birthday. He said, ah, please take this. I said, okay. He said, ah, please, just, please, just manage it.
0: I, like, it's
2: actually, I said, please. He said, no, 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 no. no. It's so deep for me. You can't understand. That time in the Bible, you don't know. It's so deep for me, bro. You don't worry. See, let me tell you, bro. Wherever I go in my life, I can't forget. See, just, this is just the beginning. I said, now, wow. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I saw a picture of the multiplier effect. And that same thing that can work in your favor. When small good is done, it can also work in your disfavor when small evil is done. Because like I said, it's not, it's not a partial law. It's not, it's not partial, right? It's not partial. So the same thing that can benefit you a lot when you do good, it can cause you great problems when you do evil. And we know that I grew up in Nigeria, you know,
1: just small, you just make mistake and just do like this. Beep, your mom will say, Ah, you are beating me. <laughs> ah, you are beating me now. You are beating me. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I remember one day
2: I was 17. My mom tried to beat me. And I now blocked it. As I blocked it, she now tripped. She tripped and she fell down.
1: Ah, I hear me, Timmy, Bami. As I saw her running on the floor, I say, Yay! <laughs> ah, I say, don't be now. <laughs> I've seen all those videos where they would do like this and just disappear. Say, said, go be. Ah, gossip! I don't know how I escaped that day. No, she went, she went hot that day. Hey! <laughs> Bro, <laughs> ah, that is really a testimony.
2: Ah, she called police. Oh. she said, Ah, this boy has beaten me. He has beaten me. This boy has been. Look at, that, I fell down. He has beaten me. I must come and carry this boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. She called and said, Please send pickup now. She called the DPO. She said, Send pickup to carry this boy. He has beaten me. Ah, I must save me this house. he has beaten me. Hey. I just went upstairs because I knew. Because that day I was arguing with her and, and I knew. I just went upstairs. I said, God, I'm so, I, said it to, I just left her and went to go and beg God. By the time I came downstairs, God had already touched her heart. And then she had called them off. She was ready to send me into the trenches. <laughs> they would have dealt with me, bro. And she would have done that woman. She would have done it with her foot chest. You know, <laughs> you know, small, because that day, I can't remember what she said. I got offended and I said something in response. And of course, spirits, the
1: small is it will be it, the reaction. Be. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> just a small, just just do your shoulder anyhow. Ah. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know?
2: The reaction is oftentimes greater than the initial action. Jesus and the 12 disciples, were there not just 13 people? How many people did they talk to directly in all their lifetime? Were they up to 100,000? Not even near. Yeah. But look at the
0: multiplier Effect. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Look at the multiplier effect. Look at the multiplier effect. So, this is something we have to really think about when we're doing things. Every action. Have you noticed that every time? you choose to procrastinate and you choose laziness over work, it creates an even more
2: aggressive
0: cycle of laziness. How many of us know what I'm talking about? How many of us know what I'm talking about? Your procrastination of one day
2: leads to an effect of three days of procrastination. That three days leads leads to an effect of one week procrastination. Before you do it, your whole
0: life is gone and what you're supposed to do, you don't do it. It's something for us to really think about. It's something for us to really think about. It multiplies. The effect
2: is always significantly greater than the cause. And the strength to undo two weeks of procrastination, we know it now. <laughs> it, 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 it has to be a power that is
0: greater than that desire to procrastinate. It has to be greater. It must be greater. When you start lying, before you can start telling the truth again, you need a power, that is
2: a a desire to tell the truth that is greater than your desire to lie. It must be greater and it will cost you more to align yourself back. And it's something I really want us to reflect on every time we're about to make the wrong decision. Aligning yourself back to the right will cost you so much more, so much more. It is always more expensive
0: to realign when you have gone out of alignment. Always more expensive. Because the reaction, the effect is always greater than the action and the cause. I will need to remember that from right now. In our businesses, in our school life, in our relationships with people, in our
2: work ethic, in our marriages, we need to remember that right now. What we are doing in this moment is producing a child. As a matter of fact, we are a child of our yesterdays. So whatever it is we are right now, however difficult our life is right now, is a fruit of our past. And if we don't increase the the willpower that supersedes whatever made made us do the wrong thing before, is how the
0: downward, downward spiral continues. We have to become conscious participants
2: of the law. That is how we become superior beings. When we are conscious participants of the law. It doesn't have to force itself upon us. We see it by ourselves and we align
0: ourselves accordingly. Because when you have children, for example, or you have employees, people who you
2: have some level of power over that you don't have to say thank you to, you don't have to be polite to, and you think, oh, it doesn't matter. Sooner or later, you'll see the effect of it. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? All those companies that made a lot of money and they're making a lot of money, they completely neglected their employees, they completely neglected their environments that blessed them, they eventually paid for their wickedness in massive multi-million dollar losses. You can't break the law. Paul said, God can never be mocked. For whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. Whether you are aware of it or not, whether you are conscious of it or not. So this here, is a call to consciousness. So that we no longer do things unconsciously that we're not surprised when the result comes. Now this is just the beginning because right now we're just talking about individual karma, personal karma. There's something called family karma. There's something called national karma. There's something called the karma of an entire race. And we're all immersed in all these things, whether we know it or not. Just by being born into a particular family, there are things you have inherited, good and bad, without your knowing. And if you're not careful. That's why we see a lot of prayers about family altars and all these things, like, you know, demonic altars and all these things. This is where it comes from, without a doubt. And by the time we start talking more into these things, you'll see how we receive the tools to break a lot of negative patterns. If you are from a family of thieves, that is a kind of karma, a kind of effect that has been set in motion, a kind of action that has been set in motion. Because remember, karma means action, right? So when we talk about karma, or if I say is your karma, it means it's your action. This is what you have produced. So a family of thieves are people who are very greedy. If you are born into such a family, one, without you even knowing it, you have already inherited the consequences of all the people they've hurt. Two, you've also inherited their deep greed that will eventually lead you to doing the same things if you don't have a willpower that is more aggressive to do good
0: that is greater than their willpower to do evil. If that makes sense. Because Solomon
2: committed a lot of crimes and God said to Solomon, for what you have done, I'm going to take the kingdom of Israel away from you. But it won't be in your lifetime. It will be in the lifetime of your son. Solomon's actions had produced something negative for his son Rehoboam. But guess what? He said, "Because of your father David, I won't take every kingdom. I will leave for you only Judah." Because of his father, he's also experiencing a positive outcome. Do you, are you guys see what I'm saying? I see what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? David's negative, David's positive actions produced something good for Solomon. Solomon's neg- negative actions produced something evil for his children and those after him. But guess what? They had the power. Even though God said that they will inherit what the mistakes of the father, they had the power to choose differently. And if they had chosen differently, they wouldn't have suffered that outcome. Because when Rehoboam came into power, they begged him. They said, please, make our burden light and make our yoke easy. But Rehobab said, ah, you see, my finger will be thicker than the waist of my father. I want us to think about
1: the, the depth of that, of that proverb. He said his finger will be thicker than Solomon's waist. <laughs> he said, you, you think you have seen Chris? Where's Solomon and In fact, my own self. (laughs) And the elders advised Rehoboam. They said to him, listen
2: to the people, hear them. If you serve them, they will serve you forever. Rehoboam rejected the counsel of the elders. He went to take the counsel of the young men. And they said, ah, you must put the thicker chain on their neck. The moment he did that, the kingdom was taken away from him. You can say Solomon, but no. He might have inherited Solomon's greed, Solomon's um, idolatrous nature, but there was still a potential of him creating a completely
0: different path. But he chose not to.
2: Because when we talk about family karma, and again, these are things that we'll we'll enter into a lot more going forward. It talks about you being born in the midst of certain kinds of influences, whether it be influences for good or influences for evil. Because of what those before you have done, they have already created a certain reality that you must endure and work with. The same way as you are now, everything you are doing is creating a certain reality that those who come after you must endure and work with. So before you say it's unfair, as you are, there are certain things you have done that that has guaranteed problem for your descendants. I'm telling you the truth. So, for those of us who are hearing this, and the first thing we're doing is, oh, my parents!" is my parents, that you better realize that your life has already begun. And before you say, my parents, what they didn't do, you better become conscious of what you are doing,
0: even in this time. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you understand me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you all with me? Are you all with me? So these are things that will unpack much further as we go forward. Because many families are going through a lot of
2: issues. They are in a lot of jeopardy, many marriages, many businesses, many relationships, because there is no understanding of karma. And people are not conscious participants of karma. Sometimes the suffering a family is going through is to teach them a particular lesson that they need to learn in order to edit a particular corruption in their soul. If they don't learn it first, before changing their circumstance, if they're so focused on changing their circumstance before addressing that corruption in their soul, even if their circumstance changes, they will find themselves back in that pit. And I use OJ Simpson a lot as an example. He made a lot of money as an American footballer. He made a lot of money, right? But that poverty, that corruption in his soul was not dealt with. That corruption that kept the black people in the dirt, he didn't deal with it. And eventually that corruption met him up on the mountain and it eventually pulled him down. He cut off his wife's head because she was cheating on him. Cut her head and shot the boyfriend to death. He managed to escape jail time that time, about 15 years later. He tried to, I don't know whether he did some, tried to, people stole his his properties. He now went to try and get it back with force. They put him in jail for 10 years for armed robbery. Look at R. Kelly, the corruption in the soul. He did not it before he struggled to get into money and break out of his family poverty. He didn't first of all address the poverty within. And even if he made that money externally, The internal poverty brought him back to ashes because there was no understanding of karma. So quick to change circumstances before you, first of all, understand
0: why. There's a reason it's here. There's a reason it's here. Before you are quick to say, Nigeria, make money, let's understand why we're here in the first place. Let's understand why we're here in the first place. We made a lot of money from oil in the 1960s and 70s. What was the first
2: thing we did? We went to show our former bosses that we can buy house where you sleep. You see that slavery mentality? You see that low self-esteem? We went to London, Billionaire's Row, Kensington Street, bought houses there to show you that, yes, you oppressed us before, now we'll come and own land in your house, instead of developing their own country. Look at UAE, see what they did with the same oil money. They created new opportunities for the creation of wealth. Nigeria exhausted almost all, and most of it was rooted in low self-esteem. That has still not been addressed. These days you speak Yoruba in Nigeria, they say that you are an un- uneducated person, they will call it vernacular. You speak your Igbo language, they will insult you that you are ras. Do you Do you see that? Is a white man like that? They will speak their Italian wherever they are, speak their French wherever they are, speak their Chinese wherever they are, to heaven with you. But we, we're ashamed. To even wear our own clothing outside, we are ashamed. It's just recently now that there's been a cultural revolution that's trying to bring confidence back to Africa that we're now owning our music. See, then, Don Jazzy won the band. He told him, Don't go there. Those people, they don't let them come and meet us. If we work very well here, eventually they will come and pursue us for our music. Is that not what's happening today? Not glorifying it, but you understand the point I'm making. Is that not what's happening? Are they not all rushing here to come and make songs with us? But look at the bands now. Where is he? He's gone. He went to go and be dancing in Kanye West video. Did not even give him one song? <laughs> <laughs>
0: something as simple as that not even dealt with that if one's reason for making money is to prove to other people that they can also make it you have not really solved the reason of your poverty And
2: if you will make money with that mindset, poverty is coming for you sooner or later. And if you are lucky, the poverty that will come for you is the poverty where you lose money. That's if you are lucky. If you are really unlucky, you will have all the money in the world and misery will be your daily bread. There's nothing worse than something you believe to be your salvation becomes the greatest curse upon your life. Do you guys see what I'm saying? It's better that you lose money than for you to have money and joy is not still present. Your family is not around, no marriage. All your relationships are in in, in the dirt. Your health is in decay. It's better that you are poor without money than for you to experience other dimensions of poverty. You think financial poverty is the worst? What made, I keep on saying this a lot. What made Prince, uh, is it Harry, run away from Buckingham Palace? that place that is bedecked with gold and jewels and diamonds and rubies and all the most expensive paintings and ornaments in the whole world.
0: What made him run from there? You see, that tells us something. So, before Andreas says, "Oh, let's make all this money. Have
2: you first of all addressed what made us poor in the first place? Because we made money before. Money wasn't the issue. Because we made money before. Why did we come here? If that isn't solved, we're going to come back here again. Telling us something.
0: So there are fundamental issues that need to be addressed, which has produced these unfortunate outcomes. By the grace of God, we shall talk more on all these things.
2: So in a nutshell, to bring this session to a very beautiful close, the word karma means action. And every action produces a reaction. Every action produces a reaction. And it is a law that God brought into existence for the preservation and continuity of life. It's not to punish anyone. It's also not to, it's not to punish anyone. It's actually to bless you, to uplift
0: you. To uplift you, to make your life full. So when a negative consequence comes, is to teach you how to do things that will produce good things for you.
2: So the law of karma is not retribution. It's actually the law of life. When your stomach begins to have cramps, when you've eaten rotten food, it's a blessing. Because if it doesn't have that cramp, that rotten food will still do what it's going to do in you. It will still kill the body. So you're lucky that you have that reaction of throwing up and going to the bathroom. You're very lucky because if that mechanism wasn't there, well, we know what happens next,
0: you see. So the law is for our benefit. It's for our benefit. Grace is the probation of God. It
2: gives us some leeway in order to correct ourselves and begin creating better actions that will produce better consequences for ourselves. It's a leeway. That's grace. It's like, a, it's like a loan. Grace is a loan from God. Grace is a loan from God. That's another dimension again. Grace is a loan. You are poor, you don't have money, but you have an idea that can start a business, but you don't have money. God, is now, God now gives you the money to start a business so that you can make money, pay your loan, and then make profit after. That's grace. But those who collect loan, you eat it in one night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. (laughs) That's a mistake people make with the credit system. You think the credit system is for you to go and eat your whole life in one night. That's something they teach about financial literacy.
2: Hmm? If you collect, you have a credit card, you can't spend money on what you earn in a month because how are you going to pay it back? As a matter of fact, you should only spend it on, on, on the last, as a last resort. But black people, what do they do? The Ugandan, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing. What is, let me not make it a black thing. It's an illiterate thing because it's not about race, right? It's just unfortunate that the black people have been those who have been denied a lot of education. And their negative circumstances make it very difficult for them to appreciate education and so on, you know? So grace is a loan from God to help us to begin to make the right investment in the right places that that will eventually bring us into profit. And we as people have to become conscious participants of the law. That we don't have to wait for something negative to come before we realize that this is already a painful situation. That we don't wait until the blessings come, that we know that this is a blessed situation. The one who sows good, sooner or later, that good is going to come. That's just the law. That's just the law, consciously, unconsciously. The one who sows good things, eventually, it comes to you. Whether it comes from this person in front of you or not is not the point. It will eventually come back to you. That's the way it is. And the same applies for the negative. So when you're doing good, rejoice in the fact that good is being done. It's his own reward. And when you've done bad, be sorrowful over the bad that you have done because that is his own reward. It will always come back. And finally, let us remember that every action produces an effect that is greater than it. The effect is oftentimes always greater than the cause. In karma, there's something called the multiplier effect. You see it with the seed in the soil, you see it with the sperm and the oven, you see it with the match and, uh, and, uh, and uh, fire, the wildfire, The wildfire that happened in Australia two years ago. It was just two silly people doing small, small thing. That small thing set the whole place on fire. Small
0: action, right? It's like a domino effect. So this is something for us to remember. In the next session,
2: we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, because when we talk about karma, understand we're already in the dimension of a lot of legality right so we're going to talk about a lot of legality so in the next lecture we're going to talk about a lot of what i would call our spiritual bank accounts because if we did if there's
0: nothing like spiritual bank accounts there would be nothing like Christ came to pay a debt true or false true or false true or false
2: if there wasn't something like spiritual profit or spiritual loss there would not be need for someone like Christ isn't it so we must understand that all these economic principles is not only physical. As a matter of fact, the physical economic principles are a product of the economic principles that already exist in spirit. So we're going to be talking about that in the next lecture. And we're going to tie it up to paint something very beautiful to really give us a lot of practical and a functional understanding. That will definitely bring positive change into all our lives. So on that note, people of God. Today's session has come to a very beautiful end. How many of us feel enlightened?
0: How many of us feel enlightened this evening? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Awesome. Awesome, Awesome. Awesome. Oh, please, I need it's, the recording, please. No, don't worry.
2: It's, it's, it's recorded on the podcast. So by tomorrow, it will be on the podcast.
0: Okay.
1: Yes, yes, don't worry at all. Don't worry at all. God
0: bless you.
1: This was so oh. insightful. God bless you so much. God bless you too. God bless you too.
2: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So just to hear from us, um, in one minute, I would like three of us, or four of us, in one minute to say, one thing that stood out to them in the course of this lecture in one minute say one thing that stood out to you in the course of this lecture it's also helped us to recap and it's also helped me to see how we're listening so who are the three four people just raise your hand
0: just raise your hand i'd like to hear one thing that stood out to us over the course of this lecture i've been able to shoot Nimbola, go ahead.
9: Okay, to so just capture everything you said, sir, um, being, uh, being an active participant and of the law of karma. Yes, I did, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. It means. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, sorry. so sorry. Yes, ma'am. No problem. <laughs> I'm, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't go and start bad karma means...
1: there. You better, yes, ma'am. Very good. <laughs>
9: Go on, bro. fair
0: enough.
9: (laughs) So me, me, me being an active participant of the law of karma means me affirming. Actually, put that in the comment section. Means (laughs) then you can leave me alone. Means uh, me affirming that. I am absolutely responsible for the outcomes of my life, both the good and the bad. Yeah. I got, I got that from Bishop Bishop David Oedipo during my stay in school and this just affirms and makes it all, helps make it make sense all the more that I am absolutely responsible for the outcomes of my life, both the good and the bad. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you,
2: God bless
6: you. Awesome,
1: awesome. Awesome. Ilamidi Justina, in one minute, one thing that stood out to you.
6: All right, thank
8: you. Well, um, Major being an active participant in the law of karma, mm. Mm. my thoughts are, means I need to go back and take a look at my life. What are the effects mm. I'm seeing? What cost mm. them? You know? Mm. How do I retrace my step? Mm. You know? And then some of the, some, I need to even look at my parents, their lives too, because we talked about how generational karma can get to us. We can inherit battles that we are not aware of. We can even inherit threats. I mean, that one is, is so deep. We can inherit traits that will keep us in the same circle that our parents suffered, you know, whatever thing yeah. they suffered or whatever thing. We could traits that will keep us grounded with the same thing I don't want that for mm. myself neither do I want that for my child so my mm-hmm. take home is go back now take a look at your life the effects you're seeing what cost it you know was yes. it me it is not me where is it coming from you know mm. I'm sure with the help of the Holy Spirit I'll, I'll surely make some good progress after today thank you so Absolutely. much
0: God bless you God bless you God bless you hallelujah Hallelujah.
6: Dapo. Okay. Good evening, Oshakon. Thank you very much. Good evening. So what actually stood out to me during the course of the lesson was that for every action there's a reaction. We know that okay. yeah. but with respect to what we studied today, we found out that uh, what's it called? the law of karma. So everything that we do is a ripple effect of what has actually happened before. Uh, what if we respond based on the energy we receive let's say someone did something wrong if we respond based on that wrong energy like it's just going to keep compounding until it gets to a very yes. a very bad state and also you, you you spoke about the cherubims or the cherubims that were shielding adam from entering the garden that they were not just blocking from entering the garden they were securing him from Himself, like he was not to be that version of himself before he was yes. to enter the garden. So it was not that they were just securing him outside the garden; they were trying to um, help him to find himself before he comes into the garden. I'm not sure I put that very well, but yes, uh, yes, yes,
0: yes, that's, that's sure. the idea.
6: So good, so good. Thank you Thank
0: for you. that, Dapo. So good. God bless you. God bless you. So finally, Wura, then confidence, and then we call it tonight. night.
3: Okay, thank you. So for me, actually, one thing you said tonight that really, should I say delivered me, because I've been, mm. um, I've not really been sure, like I've been so confused lately about, you know, the grace of God, and, you know, knowing, knowing that we have the grace of God, um, and then like the sin nature and like sin consciousness like okay so you know I can never make I can never make you know God's standard so is it that you know because there are lots of teachings on them clubhouse and you know I was almost convinced that you know we can never we should there's no point in even trying to kind of like get rid of like that sin consciousness or being sinful because that's just our nature but thank God for God's grace because God's grace will abound but when you said the grace of god is the probation of god it gives it a whole new meaning and it's like just because god's grace is available doesn't mean that you know it's okay to keep on living in the flesh or or using the excuse of oh that's the fleshly nature that, that we're in on this earth and you know it's almost like we're bound to it so it yeah. gives me a reason to like strive to want yeah. to be good because I've, I've just been because you know they'll say oh that's works that's works like you know so anyway, yeah, I still have a lot to like unpack in my mind, but that, mm. you know, that really is, <laughs> I've learned a lot tonight.
5: Thank you.
1: Thank God. I Thank God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Confidence?
5: I wasn't going to say anything, but just now something just struck me. Mm. When we talk about, uh, when you were talking about being aware of how much evil or whatever you have done, that you are aware that, oh, I deserve this evil. And so mercy and grace usually applies in that circumstance. But I just realize that in this law of karma, if you're not aware, if you're not being an active, you know, or conscious participant, you go, they carry you going, you no, know, no, because you don't realize that there are things you are doing as a result of what, you know, because <laughs> how much of what, I'm, what the things I'm doing or the actions I'm, I'm carrying out are a result of what other people have done. So I'm busy living my life every day. I have no clue that I'm doing these things because somebody somewhere has been doing some things and it's affecting me. And I just feel cruising through life. i feel like, oh, it's not my fault. You know, we're just doing, and <laughs> literally you are going to the places that you have no clue about and you're just so mm-hmm. clueless. And now I'm just thinking, huh oh, man, I need to be lo- a lot more conscious of you know why I'm doing what I'm doing, who I am, why I am. Um, and just, yeah, made the economy go away, I don't know, it's very important.
1: <laughs> so
0: thank you for that.
1: God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless every one of us. This was a was a beautiful session. I I thank God. Again, you know, like I said, God, God never disappoints. You know, and um, whenever He says He's going to show up, He does show up, and I'm just grateful to God that He showed up for us this
2: night and just taught us, just taught us what we needed to hear. How many of us felt a deliverance from this message tonight? How many of us felt a deliverance from this message tonight? How many of us know deep down that going forward from here, something has changed? you know, something has changed. Indeed, indeed, because one thing he told me coming to the session that he said is actually going to be a deliverance session. You know, one one hears deliverance, one thing is immediately rolling on the ground, but, you know, if one rolls on the ground and the mindset has not been transformed, then the bondage is still present, you know. And I thank God, I thank God, I thank God, I thank God. God bless every single one of us. How many of us have signed up for the Bible course tomorrow? of us are sign up for the Bible foundation of course tomorrow
1: it's about to be lit man like so tomorrow morning is a different fire <laughs> so you better come ready you know it's going to be it's going to be beautiful you know the, it is it, a
2: time for us to really be grounded you know this is time for us to really be grounded in the word to understand to understand this this doctrine this this belief system that we've been put into it is necessary for us to have a very solid foundation and there's no other place to begin than a foundation on the written word of God. It is so quintessential. The value cannot be overstated and I'm not having my wife full but let me tell you something, man. So part of that woman, you know, I've watched how God has just unfolded through her over the years and it's beautiful how she's evolved into a phenomenal teacher. You know, I look at her a lot of
1: times. I'm just quiet. I'm just smiling. I'm like, this woman is absolutely brilliant, you know, and, um, anyway, I, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not gassing up because she's my wife, even if she wasn't my wife, you know, just seeing her, I, I would really value honor and respect what she was doing regardless, you know, but because she's my wife, even more so, aha. Uh-huh, so, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be a beautiful time, you know, and, um, I'm so looking forward to it. And um, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. So yeah, people, that brings us to the end of tonight's session.
0: God bless every single one of us. And yeah, until, until next time.